0: Our guest today is Rav Elisha Anchelovitz. Rav Elisha teaches at the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies and Yeshivat Male Gilboa and is a fellow at Emory University's Center for the Study of Law and Religion. He has published widely in English and Hebrew and is completing a multi-volume history of Judaism through the lens of Jewish law. Rav Elisha aspires to sit on his front porch and play the banjo. <laughs> Hi, Hi. Uh, yes, but we, but we won't do music today we won't do music today, but you did mention the banjo thing just now before we started
1: yes, yes because um the ideal is that one one has learned quote unquote everything, and then one sits and reflects so you sit there with a the banjo and you reflect and that's learning that's real learning
0: as opposed to. This- you, uh, you said, be smart, and then you did some movement with your hand.
1: <laughs> As opposed to the attempt to intellectually construct arguments or master a text in ways that one is um, either superior to the text,
2: right? like mm-hmm. sometimes
1: it's done you know, academically, or one extrapolates from the text. Sometimes one does that, I guess, if one thinks like le- legally, Jewish law. Um, it's more about there are lessons... Concrete lessons, because that's what every good culture does, and Torah is full of concrete lessons. We call them halachot, we call them a we call them mishnayot, chubot, and so forth. And then, in a sense, you have that in your head, and then you know, you reflect, hopefully with real life things coming up, kind of like you know, Navi would sit somewhere under a tree, and people would come, right? So the Navi Naviat, mm-hmm. right, Torah under the tree, famously, right. Um, that's what I meant. You say to the manager on the porch, stop being too smart about anything, and you just reflect with people, obviously, come, you know, like it helps, the, you know, like the person sit there and the internet, they become an intellectual again, right? smart, you know, being clever and everything else, but that's what I meant.
0: Right. Well, it struck me so much because um, I've heard you speak about so many different things, but at the same time, you're always speaking about the same thing, which is always like, can you stop trying to be smart and just read the damn Gemara? <laughs>
1: Right, but read it, but not read it as in oh, read the words and there find out what the text says and we're done. Mm-hmm. Everything we keep saying is read it to hear the author, the person. Mm-hmm. So the person trying to communicate, listen to them, and kind of just read their words. Let's clarify this. I read a text that says it's hot outside. Sam asked for a cold drink.
2: Mm. Okay.
1: If I read the text as um, just basic text right, and I don't think about a real person, then like somehow the text says that because it's hot outside, somehow Sam asked for a drink and there's supposed to be a connection between them. Okay? I don't know what it is, somehow Sam drinking cold drink and being hot outside are connected concepts. If I'm kind of, if you will, superior intellectual about the text, I'm going, wow, the text has made a leap of um, a leap of logic there because <laughs> it doesn't follow. It doesn't follow, right? It's hot outside. Sam will drink a cold drink, but that will not change the fact that it's hot outside. Okay. If I listen to it, as opposed to trying to be, you know, either overly pedantic or overly intellectual, then I'm listening to the author, right? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Sam says it's hot outside. Can you give me a cold drink? I'm like, of course, I get it. Here. Open my fridge. Have a cold drink. Okay, so right. The so same wants to cool down. That's what I mean. Mm. It's not just read the words, in some fast style surface fashion, and it's not intellectually construct. I don't know, great constructs around them. It's just it's just people talking, listen to them as you would in conversation.
0: Why is it so hard?
1: Why is it so hard to read a text that way?
0: Yeah. Like you've you've been teaching this for years now, years and years and years, and from from what I could tell, it's it's the most difficult class there is. <laughs> we just show up and beat our head against the wall.
1: <laughs> um, why is it so hard to actually um, hear a conversation? Two things. Um, let's say I don't live. Let's one second here. Let's say this. Um, okay, I say oh. You hear you read somebody says. Um, do they have milk in the house? And the other person says, no, they must not, because there's no fridge. Okay, And then I'm in China. Hmm. And China, at least what I've seen in the streets of China, were like condensed milk. Like, like you know, condensed not condensed milk. What do you call that? The powdered stuff? The no, it's, in a, the it's in a container, but it doesn't spoil. So I guess it's made from condensed milk? Or it,
0: or it could be boiled and then pressurized and then sealed or whatever. Okay. Yeah, Buy. there are different ways of okay. doing so that. But there's,
1: but there's a way of buying milk yeah. where you don't need a fridge. Yeah. Okay. So imagine that I'm in China and I read this line where the two people walk into the house, one says, do you think he has milk in the house? The other one says, no, there's no fridge. Mm. And they'll they'll be like, those aren't connected ideas. Okay, so one reason we have difficulty understanding is because we're not in the same setting Mm -hmm. and we get so caught up in some narrow vision of like the world must be the way I know it, anything else is weird. As opposed to... You know, you travel around the world, and you like come somewhere. It takes you thirty seconds, and you're like, "Oh, I get it. They do it this way." Right.
0: You see the milk on the street, and it's obvious. Right. You're like, wait, it's hot outside. Oh, okay, got <laughs> it. Okay.
1: <laughs> it's obviously milk that doesn't spoil.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, I, I um, I'm struck with like the sort of the two failure modes that come out of just this. I know this is just the first one that you said. The first reason it's difficult. But I'm struck by the fir- by the two failure modes that come out of this. One of this is, huh, that's weird, that doesn't follow at all. And the second is not knowing that, you know, the standard in the West, let's say I'm a Chinese scholar in the distant future, not knowing the standard in the West in the early 20th century was everyone had a fridge and the only sort of milk you had was refrigerated milk. What I might be doing is um, is trying to supply reasons that make sense to me and that are, um, and that that sort of just arbitrarily match the data together into some picture. So, the thing I'm thinking here is, um, you yeah. know, a scholar writing on this text, um, tradition at the time was that, uh, was that milk was only drunk by the very wealthy. So, someone comes into the, into the house and sees, oh, is there, do they have milk here? They must not, there's no fridge. Because, you know, they weren't wealthy enough to own a fridge, therefore they didn't they didn't have milk, because milk was the domain of the emperor or something. Right. You can tell some whole gesso mm-hmm. story that Correct. is completely alien to the actual so, thing yeah. that's going on. Correct. Correct. Right. And that's like, I feel like that's <laughs> the great preponderance <laughs> of the interpretive traditions around, like, old works in general, but, like, really specifically and most pointedly, Old religious works, maybe even the most, the Talmud. Okay, so
1: there's two types of traditions. I don't want because that's focusing more in the academic direction, but one is that people construct because they're going reality, they construct whole pictures of reality of the culture's values of, you know, of that of that past mm-hmm. which weren't there, or if they're, if they're if you will, if they're more internal to the tradition, right, and they're like, well, I'm not going to construct realities. There's a logic to it, of some sort. It's not depending on the rich. It's like it's a it's a rule, it's a connection. Milk and fridges are connected even though mm-hmm. they don't seem to be connected, right? And then I'll end up saying something like: I've learned from the ancients that, you know, or the ancients teach us that, you know, milk should be put in place in the fridge no matter what. And you of course you're living in a culture in which
0: it's all condensed. Right. You, you don't need to fridge. straight right?
1: But it has to be placed in a fridge. I'll then, just come up with that, but I won't really understand that that wasn't the conversation at all, uh-huh. right? Certain milk needs pasteurized milk, whatever you want to call it. But Western milk, right? Needs to be placed in a fridge. But that boiled, however they make that milk, right, doesn't yeah. need to be placed in a fridge, and that's it. Two different conversations, but I won't see it. I'll mm-hmm. force myself to say they must be right about my milk instead of understanding what they meant.
0: Oh, so that's interesting, because part of a big part of what... Um, what you promote is, I, I want to say, um, reading charitably, but it's not quite that. The phrase I think you used was, um, a read read the, this past as if you're in a warm conversation with them. Right. And part of that is, don't assume that you're, like, that you're smart and you've got a big gotcha on him. If you don't understand him, it's probably, if, if, he's, if it sounds like he's saying something really dumb, you probably just haven't understood what he's saying.
1: That's one side, right?
0: Right. So, so, the, so the other side is, you can assume that what he's saying is right. doesn't make sense to me. So, suddenly there's like some, he, what he's proposed, what he's talking about is some great mysterious secret. Like, right. milk should always be served cold before, because it calms the spirit and like protects one from evil or something. Right. So, then you also get into this, this um, artificial hagiography.
1: Correct. Right. Because mm. in a sense, what I've done is I really, I've left them strange. Hmm. Because
2: mm. let's They've say it turns out it's strange. winter day. Okay, yeah.
1: And I say, no, but they say milk should always be cold. Like, I get it in the summer, okay? But in the winter, let's say, okay? I don't need it to be cold. But like, no, they told me that cold, you know, drinks are important. Which means, I don't really understand them. I'm just saying there must be a deep lesson there. So mm-hmm. I have left them strange. If I don't understand them, they're still strange. I may, call them, respect them as if right, hate, but I've actually treated them as strange.
0: Yeah, that's that's... That's wonderful. Every every self and I also feel that um, coming to your classes and having conversations with you, you, there's this there's this constant effort to to get the whole method into like one line. And you had a couple of doozies last night, which I want to quote you on. But okay. um, this is a good one. Don't leave them strange. Right. That's a great great advice for for teaching. If like your best understanding of the text is oh here's a bizarre person with completely alien motives and uh, an internal world that I can't fathom. Maybe you're, you're just coming at it from a slightly wrong angle.
1: Right. So don't force them into your values because, you know, or my reality of fr- you know, fridges and everything i have left with, it's strange, it must be upper class. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. But also don't leave them strange as in there's just wires in me, ways I can't understand because I'm, I'm not actually learning anything from them.
0: Right. Right? Like. Just get it to the, end, to the point where it's like a simple click and like, of course, everybody can see the picture. The su- situations that humans find themselves in can be can vary greatly, but the human condition is pretty common across everywhere and every time. Yes. The human
1: condition is the same in a sense everywhere without getting... Let's assume everybody can handle milk. Actually, Chinese have a low tolerance mm-hmm. but for the moment. Right. Okay. So, so, um... So that's one of the few <laughs> things that are actually different. <laughs> right. Okay. But, but... Let's assume that every, everybody can't milk, but everybody then would understand that spoiled milk is problematic. Mm-hmm. That would be true across all cultures. And now your question is: How are they keeping their milk not spoiled? How are they keeping their milk not spoiled? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: What was what was the what was the second thing? You said there are two reasons people find it hard to right. So one is that we, exactly. uh, what one the first one was that they're reading something from a different
1: setting, different, right, different description that they, they don't understand, and the second is. Because words are emitted whenever we communicate. Right. Right? So that's similar to the cold drink and the hot day. I say, oh, it's hot. Can you give me... It's a hot day today. Can you give me a cold drink? Like my drinking is not going to make make the day cold. Mm. (laughs) It's like it changes the temperature of the day. So so you fill in the words because you speak a similar language culturally, not just English, but a similar language culturally to me. And you want to see what I'm saying? Okay? Or a, a better one. Um somebody turns to you and says, Can you open the window? And you're like, Yes, I'm so physically fit. No, you open the window. <laughs> right. Okay. Contextually it's a request for action. Right. Okay. So you fill that in because you share sometimes the context itself, but usually you you you, you also learn to, to recognize the phrase. Can you open a window? Is not a phrase usually asked of anybody in terms of physical capabilities, maybe physiotherapy, but otherwise like you're not gonna ask that question. Okay, so you know already that that question means please open the window. Okay, but if you're in another culture and you're not in a context that gives you you know the picture because you're not you're just reading a text right? and you don't have the same phrases in your culture, then you end up misunderstanding the missing words. Right. Which is can you open the window means are you capable of opening the window and therefore please do so and so forth. Right. Or it's hot today please give me a drink because on a hot day I am hot
0: and I will cool down when you give me a drink. Okay, so the main, so to recap, the the, the two things that seem to prevent people from reading simply is um, what an, under, an absence of an absence understanding of like the, the context and an absence of the understanding of like the missing words, the right. deliberately omitted words, which is common. And, um, I, I i wanted i want to uh, repeat this this wonderful event that happened in um, yesterday evenings class okay. specifically on this we, we were talking about um the, the lesson was about like left-handedness in halacha and uniformity less individuality and um, about how most ambidextrous people are left-handed people who were uh, compelled or taught to use their right hand and then eventually end up with both and we were talking about how we that's not really done so much, but um, I think I said something like, "Well, you know, as recently as like a generation ago, it's still being done." And he said, "Well, you're not, you know, you're not sure because your, your siblings weren't um, compelled into right-handedness." And I said, "Yeah, but you've met people who have." I right. said, "Yeah," and then Uri said, uh, "My grandfather," and um, and then uh, one of the other students asked, "Like, did he become amb- ambidextrous when he was, you know, compelled to use his right hand in school?" And Uri said, I was named after him, so that's all I can tell you. So I said, Ah. And you're Ashkenazi? He said, Yes. And I said, No further questions. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. So you know, right, that based on the fact that he's named after his grandfather, his grandfather was already dead by the time Uri was born. Because you share that cultural cottage and naming thing, um, awareness. But among Ashkenazi, right. Um, yes, exactly. But somebody else they they wouldn't. They wouldn't connection.
0: What what you what you liked I think, in the class, which after I said no further question, I paused and I said, I look forward to our conversation being misunderstood by future <laughs> scholars. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And again, when we say scholars, right, it's both academic and contemporary yeshivish. Mm-hmm.
0: Both ways. From the, from, the from the religious uh, hagiographic perspective and from the university perspective?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't call that hagiography. It was more from the legal thinking mm-hmm. of... Well, there's a, some connection made between the fact that um, he said it was named after him, that therefore he doesn't know more about him. As if somehow naming people causes forgetfulness. Mm. Okay? That would be like a, an internal kind of yeshivish right, approach. Then the A
0: person okay? shows up. And then, then, and then the aphorism shows up, do not name after, he was named after a man, we'll forget all that man's Right, man right, right exactly, right. That's why right. we find a Rabbi Ishmael in the, in the Talmud.
1: <laughs> so, okay, so that's right, sword, right, right? Yeah. exactly. And right, and then the, and the academic would be either it was a false belief, it was a mistaken belief, it was superstition. Mm-hmm. That somehow naming will cause that to happen, or maybe, as you said, some larger construct about society and classes and whatever. Okay? But often it will often wow. simply be that that was a superstition, as opposed to, wait,
0: people aren't stupid. You don't you, you don't like superstition as a concept, right? Because it implies, it's a way to stop thinking about stuff.
1: I don't like superstition as a concept because it's a way of stopping, ceasing to understand other people. Mm. That people... Every in every society people are superstitious in a sense of once it gets beyond the practical power to control then People get superstitious in a sense. They believe they try to like, believe in things certain things will save them a, You elect a certain president of the United States. That'll change everything The President has limited powers if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, right? president is, Doesn't control internal law in the cities states and even federally, to only, I mean, to limited degree, yes, but very limited. Okay, um, so there is a point where people turn to superstition in that sense. But anytime it's like day to day life, there are no superstitions that don't make sense. People get things, describe things in ways that we might call superstitious, but people aren't stupid. They everything they do makes sense. Mm-hmm. So an example you've heard from me before is, we will say today that electricity is a current. Okay, but it's not a current, really. Right. Okay, it's electrons from one atom, electrons to another atom, electrons to another atom, and so forth. So it's more dominoes, whatever you want to call it. Okay, but it's not it's not a current. But
0: we say current because that's a good enough way of expressing it, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm just remembering this this episode of The Simpsons where they go to a uh, they go to a like a a, a science academy and it says something at the front like. Um, School of explaining scientific concepts with shiny yellow balls, <laughs> like shiny shiny metal balls or something. And that weight,
1: and that's supposed to be.
0: It was just like every every time you look at a, a like a little picture or ah, a diagram ah, of anything, it's, it's like so An okay. electron is a little right. yellow ball. Right. So
1: okay. Right. So is that getting into electron really really a thing, a ball, or is it right, or is it right. a position within electric field? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not forget that for the moment, but in a sense, right. Okay, you get from Adam to Adam to Adam, it's not a current, as much as some type of dominoes or something. Okay. Okay? Um, So, yeah, so we say that. So the same thing, you may have somebody speaking about if you don't wash your hands in the morning, and you need to wash your hands in the morning, because if you touch your hands, your eyes or your ears, without washing your hands, there's a demoness on the hands that can cause illness.
2: So assuming that you're
1: in a society that doesn't have running water all the time, and bathing, you know, you bathe periodically, but... Your body sweats at night, and yeah. so forth. You're touching your body, and so forth, because you're sleeping classically under maybe a sheet. That's it. Okay, like nude, basically under a sheet. Mm-hmm. So, so then, of course, you need to clean your hands. We would say, germs. They said demoness. Fine. Okay. Said, so, oh, that's a superstition. No, they're just dis- they're, they're describing a, a name a phenomenon that you know that hands have something on them, not physical dirt that you notice. But there is something going on there, and mm-hmm. it can actually make you ill. Well. Mm-hmm. So, so like current, it's a demoness. It's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think this. I think this. This. Um, this gets to the heart of, of uh, something else that you you teach, which is um, read the behavior first, then read the language. Which is so. What what is like? I, I think the way i think about it is what is this. What is the this piece of ontology trying to make you do? What's the what's the change in behavior that it's seeking? And if that change makes sense, then the sort of ontology makes sense backwards.
1: So I'll, okay. I'll put it differently. I got
0: what you said, right? You
1: have the ontology and there's a, like, oh, this is a reality, therefore act, you know, safely, right? Mm-hmm. Act right appropriately. That's what you were saying now to me. There's an ontology of demonists, and that in a sense reminds me to act appropriately and don't touch my eyes before I wash my hands. Right. Okay. I put it a little differently. People recognize that there's a phenomenon occurring. Okay, like I don't know, hands touching the eyes, right? Um, can cause, you know, illness. Um and then they need to explain. So it's not that they're looking for an ontology to motivate. They're just trying to point out you can get ill. But I'm like Mm -hmm. uh, and then I look at you and I go, What do you mean ill? My hands are Clean. There's nothing on it.
2: Mm.
1: Okay. It's not like dirt, I and mean, then maybe there's a worm in the dirt or something like. There's nothing on it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So then you have to give me a language that kind of explains, right, mm. what's happening. But it's not that the language is the way of telling people. Therefore, do. It's more like you're telling. Them, look, this is what you're supposed to do. they like, look at it. Why? And you go, well,
0: and that, and you explain it. Wow, interesting. You know, it's it's. It's funny because think thinking about this, um, I have thought before about how like demons are just like, you know, modern concepts described differently. Um, but specifically with like hand washing, it strikes me that um, I've heard before that uh, Jews did uniquely well during the bubonic plague because of our like obsessive washing, which Europeans didn't for the most part do. And I don't know if it's true or not, but that's, the, that's how they tell it. And, and, you know, the, the way processing that is, wow, isn't it great that, you know, we had all this ritual hand washing to prevent disease. But, like, from what you're saying, it's like, no, obviously, that's the point of the hand washing <laughs> It prevents disease. Right.
1: So, right. So, the, 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 right. The, that historical question, you know, did it help, it did not help with it specifically the bubonic plague? Put that aside, right? That's right. historians have their debate about that. But you're right. Yeah. You're right. It's that, that's the point of it. Correct. Yeah, Amazing. Um, um the Mishnah there yeah, there's a person who um yeah, they said um the Tanim even described it's somebody who doesn't wash their hands. Um and Yeah. He's Like you could say it's a divine punishment. Oh right. Don't wash your hands before eating and so forth. Mm. I'm
0: sorry. Um uh, English. Um obligated with his life? Obligated with his with his blood soul.
1: Okay, in some sense obligated death, is it, right?
0: Um He's liable with his blood liable soul. Liable for death.
1: In the sense not punishment by the courts, but like right. Because like his
0: blood is on his hands is how it said in modern English. That's my point. It's not
1: as if it's a divine punishment in the sense of, oh, and now somehow not washing hands, God throws lightning bolts. So angry. Right, exactly. Because that's what you did, you know, child (laughs) sacrifice and not washing hands. No. Okay, rather somebody who doesn't wash their hands in the sense as as you said, you said the blood
0: blood is on his hands. Meaning they took they're
1: acting in a way that's going to be dangerous. Right.
0: Can, can I ask I, I've always um puzzled over that that same expression the way it's used in Pirkei, um, but one who's like walking along and you know repeating his studies in his head and then he stops and goes wow what a great tree how good does this feel that same same, same thing right. same, so like, that
1: sorry the right washing hands it was some of it causes death. I don't remember. I mean, okay. they might, they, might but, they
0: use that phrase all over the place. I remember it from a lot, but yeah, I no, 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 remember but thinking, no, like, it's
1: "Why it's it's would that?" Very... Very but yes, since we went there, since we went there, yeah. So, okay, methodologically, there's two things going on. People are usually bothered by this, but like, wow, why are you saying such a severe punishment? Mm. Okay, what's so bad, right? So, first thing I say is methodologically is first of all. Drop the last words. You know there's a condemnation going on?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Pause with interpreting the last words for a moment. Clearly condem- condemnatory. Great. Okay, now the question is why, why are they condemnatory? Okay. So, say the mission again.
0: The uh, one who's, who's walking and repeating his, mm-hmm. his studies. Mm-hmm. And he stops and says... Uh, wow! How great is this field? How great right. is this tree?
1: Okay, now tell me why is
0: walking? Why is that person walking, and repeating? I assume because he just like went to a teacher, learned something, memorized it. And now he's just repeating it. So his memories. Great. Exactly. Ironclad.
1: Okay, so again, how context matters. Most people reading that mission are like, I learn a gemara, you know, learning with some gemara, some book, right? Mm. And then I say, what a beautiful tree, and I go back to. Learning, what's the Mm. problem? But if you just memorize the lesson and you don't have any written text, your only written texts are Tanakh. You don't have written Mishnah. You're learning it orally. So what happens if you walk away, you're in the middle of reciting, repeating it, repeating to memorize, and then you actually pause and say, oh, what a nice tree.
0: There's There's no, you can't Google it to figure out your missing words. Right,
1: right? So then you've lost the ability to have memorized it precisely. And now you'll fudge it, you'll whatever, and that that could be a problem because you can end up really misremembering that law.
0: And okay, fine. There's a, there's a problem now. Yes. Now the the legal, essentially the legal text, which scholars keep collectively in their heads, has now been corrupted.
1: Right, at least by me. In, in my head. Right. Right. And then some issue comes. And assuming that law matters because law is practical advice on how to life. Mm. So now I, I have this warped memory in my head <laughs> and then the question comes up and I'm like wait based on that and I start reasoning badly. interesting so because now I'm really going to go around giving bad advice about whatever question you have a law that I don't know what and let's say okay this is not going to be this is not going to be something that would happen but you have a law that says you know um, mourners Like, somebody who lost a close family relative should mourn, you know, should sit and mourn. Okay, great. And somebody you have in your head, oh, they don't need to mourn. Like, and then, you know, there are people, like, they suffer loss, and they're like, well, we need time off from work. And like, no, you're not supposed to mourn. (laughs) You would end up creating, like, you'd end up hurting people.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So, if you misremember one of those Mishnah laws, then you're actually going to carry bad advice and you had harmful advice to others, and therefore you're liable. Interesting. For your, life. your life is like,
0: what? <laughs> I don't know if this is too deep into the weeds, but um, would the person who's carrying this Mishnah, okay. he's also learning like a whole host of interpretative and, like, I don't know, I want to say. It, interpretative methods, a heuristic, much more simply, he's he's dealing with real cases. He's sh- like he's training to be a judge, presumably, or he's in that he's in that community. Okay,
1: got it. So in other words, that's your sorry, I cut you off.
0: Well, I mean, he's 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 following people around and like learning from learning from watching and doing and doing and watching and doing and judging and, and like you see why I did that? Why did I let this guy off the hook? Why did I let that guy off? The hook? So he's got all this. Like, he's, he's got that practical stuff. So, let's say he gets a couple of words wrong in the original Mishnah. Won't he correct that part okay, automatically? Right.
1: right. Okay. That's a good question. So, that's why I said the um, mourning example wasn't a good example. was not a good example. Okay? Because
0: mourning is really obvious that
1: people need a mourn. Right. Okay. And the whole society does it. And, like, you see, you know, every once in a while somebody dies. people family mourns.
0: And <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, you no, know, like,
1: okay, so... I mean, well, right now, we're in a situation where it's happening yeah, more than every once in a while. Okay, anyway. So, um, yeah, you're right. So this is why there is no Mishnah about Abirut morning, Because that's just something, you know, culturally, you don't need a Mishnah about. It. Okay, so... But you have Mishnah, for instance, let's say, about, um, you know, uh, situations where... You know, a certain uh, dead rodent is tame, okay? Right. Um, which is tame means um, um, calls for and arouses negative reaction. Okay, different types, you know, like levels of negative reaction. Right. There's over dead human beings, especially if they're family members in the same house and all that. And then there's you know dirty hands before you before you wash. Okay, levels of tumah. Mm-hmm. But Um, you've learned some details about well what about if that lizard touched, or not lizard, that dead rodent touched that object which touched the bread, like how how far do you have to worry about what we call germ contamination okay, and that maybe you learned Mishnah, you didn't become that qualified to keep studying around scholars Mm. because well, whatever, you were too poor you weren't that smart, whatever, you know the different possibilities, right? Um, and you now just have that information in your head. But you don't really have loads of situations where you're like, oh, so that rodent was touching that object, which touched the food. Is that a problem or not? You didn't run into that a lot. So mm-hmm. now you carrying this misinformation in your head, and, and then it will be problematic. I realized I didn't explain. Let me explain. Not everybody went beyond Mishnah. Okay, there are people who didn't learn at all. I mean, uh, there were public readings of Torah. We can debate how far back that goes. I think it was back earlier than people think, but whatever.
0: Right? I mean, you, you mentioned that um, that line that in Neviim, you know, but it's it's not Shabbos or Rosh Chodesh. Why are you going to hear the prophets speak?
1: Answering the prophets, right? Yeah, that's, that's the first temple period um, by Ushon, and then I think already earlier in by the Second Temple than people think there were public. Torah readings, but it okay. doesn't matter from whenever. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so there are people who didn't learn at all. Then there were people who presumably didn't learn, but on Shabbat, somehow periodically would hear the Torah read. Like, like the Torah says, Vayakhel, every seven years. Mm. Okay, come to Jerusalem and it'll be read out loud. Okay. So maybe every week also. Great. Then there were people who learned Tanakh. Like the bottom, right? And then there were people who learned Mishnah, right?
0: Were they different types of people? No, the same people. Like some would advance to Mishnah. Okay.
1: Like there were people who just didn't get to learn. They're really poor farmers and whatever. Right. Like,
0: I, I have a friend who's an old Scotsman, and he said, growing up in like a little village in Scotland, he had um, they'd do an exam at the end of eighth grade, I think, right. and that exam would determine are you going to go to high school, you're going to become a right. farmer like your dad, right? Right.
1: Right, that, right, exactly. Right, that's phenomenal. Every time you have publicly supported universities, like, yay, public, which is great. But of course, the country doesn't pay for everybody to university. You right. have to track into it. Right? So, um, okay, so either that or, or by wealth, right? Because you, your parents have to be able to support you. You should continue studying, whatever it is. Okay. Um, fine, so some people learn Tanaf, and then some people learn Mishnah, and then some people would go beyond learning Mishnah to actually becoming... Why sages meaning people who would unpack Mishnah, a law, because every law has competing considerations. learn to unpack the competing considerations, and how to apply them wisely, and so forth. What's known as Talmud, and then eventually becomes known as the work called Talmud, which is a work that shows how to unpack the competing considerations of every Mishnah law.
2: Mm.
0: It's like um, the the way they use the uh, the phrase Gemara as well in the actual Gemara. It's like. Right. As this process of unpacking.
1: Oh you're saying they use Talmud that way in the Gemara for sure. Right? Um, Gamir is Savir. Gamir is learned, Savir is able to reason. So I think more the, the way they use the word Talmud. Okay. Which they use in the Gemara. Right. Yeah. So, so, we're really getting to the weeds okay, now. <laughs> but
0: the point, yeah, well, I, did, I did warn you. But, so, the point is that this might be one of those guys whose job it is to just hold the original source in his head rather than unpack that's it. That's
1: as far they got. Oh, no, okay. it could
0: be the role right in the Beit Midrash, correct. Yeah. That role, right? The guy have- who holds in his head and repeats it out loud. Well, that's as far as they got in their education. Well, it's interesting also, like, you have, I think more than once, you have people describe... Um, specific people whose job it is to recite, like, oh, and the reciter in the house of wherever. That's true. Then also they'll say things like, oh, and this and this reciter, we know his, his mission is good. Whenever he recites a mishnah from this tractate, we're, we're, we're positive it's ironclad. Right. And that's like, it's a big praise.
2: Right.
1: Okay. So that's also true. If, if a person is really going to take on that role, then, then even more. More so. Right.
0: Okay. So, I've, man, I really want to ask about the, the Tumma thing. So if it's like this is this is such a such a big thing on its own. But I I wonder if you can give me like the the ninety second version. Okay. Um, so well, tame means provokes or causes negative reaction of various kinds. So then there's the the traditional method, there's a purification method, right? Yeah, for this and this, you just wash your clothes, you're good. For that one, you have to jump in a lake, you're good. This one, so you have different things, different um, increasingly complicated purification rituals, but. What strikes me is that unlike it, that, it's, that, it's unlike mourning in, a, in an important way. Because mourning, you've got, you've got your trauma that you're processing over the course of whatever time.
2: Right.
0: It's important for you to sit down and mourn. But if you don't, it's really only yourself that you're hurting. Whereas with, with Tuma, it does seem like there's a societal expectation that you'll go through the entirety of whatever process is demanded by your particular state. Of impurity, and that if you don't, you can cause all sorts of havoc for other people who are meticulous about it. So there's more of an. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, let's say let's say I touch a dead body, right? Mm-hmm. And I wash my hands of soap, and I still feel a little icky on the inside, but I'm clean. Why is it like now if I go and touch someone's bread, he's going to freak out, right?
1: What's, what's going on there? I see. Okay, so okay so um there are two great that raises a great question of how to read and how to apply and i'll explain in a second because sometimes you have a reality which certain phenomena go together and then you live in a different reality which they don't go together and they raise questions i'll explain what i'm saying now so classically the person who touches the dead body is a family member mm-hmm. right that's classically who buried the body and would wash the body and so forth Okay. So, the people who are handling the, the dead person are tamay in all kinds of ways. One is maybe the person who died died of illness. Okay, so the first three days of Afilut, classically, people don't only family members are there with family members, meaning there's immediate family members of the dead, and then their their spouses, their children, and so forth. It reminds me of COVID laws. I <laughs> like that's right? So exactly, right? So then, the first three days or two and a half, whatever, only those people would be with the immediate mourners, i.e., the people who lived in that same house. Assuming a, you know, a chamula. Uh, what do you call it? Like a
0: patriarchal expanded family model. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bit, the, the sort of the sort of thing where uh, someone grows up and gets married, and then he just builds an extra extension exactly. in your house.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So then. Those would be the people that we, together for the first, whatever, two and a half, three days. Um, And we know that because the Torah's description is on the third day, somebody comes and starts throwing ash water on the mortar, you know, which washes their face, and so forth, which gets them ready to greet new people. But also, the rabbis kept that. Nobody remembers that almost in halacha, but the first three days is meant to be only, like, really close people are meant to comfort the mourners which We kind of intuitively know that. Hopefully, you don't show up at somebody you barely know on the first day and say, Oh, then I'm here to come for you. Like, who are you and why are you here? <laughs> right. Okay, so I think we intu- intuitively know that, but, but we have that. So it continues in the rabbinic tradition that first few days are meant to be, you know, immediate family. Then, then other people come. So, even in terms of um, il- of um, what am I looking for? Infection, looking for a different word. Con- contagion. Contagion, thank you. Even in terms of the contagion, um you could say too much contagion. Okay, so then great, three days, and then people can come. Um that's one. But also too much has another negative thing, which is, oh my god, like I lost somebody, right? <laughs> like, that's a negative event. Okay? I'm in a bad place. Okay? You don't want to be going out for I do what, you know, movies, ice cream, whatever, and have me along, okay? Like <laughs> In my morning condition, right? Okay, the vibes are not good. The vibes are not good, right? Exactly, right? So, those types of tuma, both in a sense the contagion fear tuma mm-hmm. and the emotional one, converged. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, and and people, let's say, would come to funerals, in in second temple times. Times people would come to funerals as you know it's a company, right? To funerals, so they would just go in a pool of water and bathe which also works with a lot of tradition of levels of, levels of Tumat. Right? They wouldn't necessarily touch the dead body, so they'd come to the funeral, and they'd bathe and that would be good enough. Right? Um, what we do today, washing hands is kind of a continuation of that, but for colder climates. Mm-hmm. We're uh, not going to have uh, everybody bathe in the middle of the winter. Right? So washing hands, is, you know, at least you cleaned your hands. Great. Uh-huh. Yeah. you kind of psychologically separated from that whole thing. Right? That's, yeah. Right? So you but, but pointing to your question of anybody that touches a dead body, right? I you know, wash my hands, why do I need to bathe my whole body and so forth, right? Or ashes and all that. Mm-hmm. Classically, it went together. You touched the body, you were the mourner, you were like, it all went all that was one the same person. Okay. Now you're asking question, which is what happens if I touch a dead body and I'm not the mourner?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like, right? like I'm just there was nobody else available in a sense. Whatever, you know, I'm watching the body. Okay. Mm. No let's put this in. I'm not also not the person that found him in the field. That's what I was gonna say next. Okay? The mitzvah, no, that's right? also traumatic. Right. You walk through a field until you find a body abandoned their yes and like, no. well, next time I walk through a field it might be me, right? Like maybe a lion attacked me. Whatever whatever killed that person, right? Okay, lack of order, lying, whatever, I don't care. Right? And that's
0: the rest of your day gone as well. That's your day,
1: day in a few days. Okay, we're back to the week of mourning and tumour.
0: Right, okay. I mean, I mean so if that's the rest of your day gone in terms of, like, labour. Like, you thought you were going to market today. Oh, no, no, what no, you're no. doing is digging <laughs> no, right. a hole for this guy. No, you have to bury the body. Right. Okay, and like so forth. obligated. The right. next thing you do is that. Exactly. Okay, so the point is that
1: those converge. Okay. Mm. So now you can ask a different question, which is... People today who work in a Hevra Kadisha, hmm. they ain't there. Yeah. Okay? What? Are they supposed to go through life as some type of, of, um, <laughs> of uh, what's it called? Uh, lowest caste in, in, in India? Um, Dalit. But, uh? a Sudra. The Dalits are the untouchables. Right, no, yeah, exactly. The Dalit, yeah. right, right. Right? So, like, that's what they're supposed to do because, you know, oh, goodness, they might be contagious. They might, they're in an emotional place that they deal with death all the time. I get like... That's the question you start asking. Now that question didn't come up for us until we already stopped having Paraduma. The whole Red have her special rules of <laughs> purification from death impurity. Uh-huh. Right? So we never really addressed that question. Interesting. In that sense, So right?
0: by the by the time when when Paraduma finished, we we're still basically doing internal clan burials. Right. Right.
1: Okay. So and then also we also do internal clan, it's meant to be the immediate family. The sons, the, the Mm-hmm. Sons, classically. And sure. the daughter, she didn't marry, which is why that whole rule about corn and whatever, we're not getting into that.
0: So. Right, right. Yeah, Pashu okay. more. It's like, <laughs> right. and his unmarried daughter right, right, also, right, right, right. she right. impurifies for these. Right. Oh, sorry. They Korean, impurify for her. A Corian impurifies yes. for his unmarried sister. His sister yeah, yes. yes.
1: Correct. Okay, so the point being that you're asking an interesting question, which if we were in that world, that would be a question that one would ask, and that's called psa which is we have this wisdom of how to handle death, contact with death. It impurifies. People feel that the person who handled, you know, the dead body and lost the person in their family is impure. Mm-hmm. Both contagion, both emotionally, if I go visit them and comfort them for the third day on, that's nice of me. But I don't want them in my ice cream party, whatever, mm-hmm. my party, like, okay, doing charades, okay? Right? So there is is two on multiple levels going on, and they converged.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay? Now your question is how to apply that today. But don't read it... If what happens, sorry, methodology, let's get back to it. Right? we're asking about how to read and why people misinterpret. That was the original question. If you tell me, well, clearly according to that source, if you, a stranger, touch a dead body, that's, I know what, be, in the middle of being a, given a respected burial, okay? Like, it's not a trauma, like, you know, somebody mm-hmm. died and everybody in town came and they are all honoring the dead body, right? Yeah. Okay? And you just happen to be standing And accidentally somebody pushed you and you fell and you touched the body. Yeah. Okay. Do you now need, you know, a
0: whole week of impurity, purification, you know, mourning, whatever you want to call it? Sprinkle, sprinkle. Right? Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Okay. That's interesting. So you're dealing all the time throughout the Talmud. with like, be reasonable. What are we actually talking about here? Right. Now, I don't know. I'm not saying that's
1: definitely the answer because it could be there are Mm. angles that people, you know, will raise that I've not thought of that. But what I am saying don't just assume that a, every law applies to every situation to which you you can... Let me say this in English. <laughs> Don't think that a law applies to every situation which, word, which its words can cover. Mm. A law applies to every situation that is similar to the situation for which it was intended.
0: You, the, the example that you've given before more than once, which I really like, is um, the phrase that uh, everyone must vote. Right. I think. Uh, everyone must vote a surgeon <laughs> right. performing life saving operation he's gotta what about what about the person he's doing surgery on He's right. gonna vote exactly yeah. right
1: right so right so you always have to ask what situation a law has in mind mm. especially the more general it's worded mm. the more it has actually specific not specific like narrow but a range of situations in mind types of situations in mind prototypical picture in mind um, the more general the wording, well, actually, okay.
0: The As more you... general the wording, the more specific you got to be in your thinking about right. the situation. Okay, because
1: clearly nobody, meant everybody has to vote. Mm. Okay, assuming one day voting, no ballots, no. Just keep it simple for the moment. Okay. Right,
0: but if we're still talking about that surgeon, if you have a rule like whenever you open a carotid vein to do a bypass, you have to, you should uh, inject like 20 cc of blame. Like that's a really specific rule. And that's, more, so that's apt more, to be, more likely to be exactly as it's read. Just do correct. that every correct. time. Correct. Right. But
1: even then, you have to make sure that, like you say, oh, if you know, if you open a carotid artery, then it turns out you you pierce a carotid artery. With a hole that's smaller than a, than a red blood cell can get through.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, then maybe you don't need to. Right. right. Okay. So, there's still but, specifics,
0: but they're much m- but smaller. Less. Exactly. Right.
1: Okay. So, <clears throat> um, back to this. Right. That's one step. And the next step is, therefore, applying. Once you realize that every law has situations in mind, then you apply it to situations that are similar. Not just, well, any situation covered by the words. As you were saying, well, any by the time you touch dead body. Maybe if it turns out that's a good stop, right? Mm. Good decision, good application. But if not, then that's not what it intended, right? So interesting. I, that problem comes up just in both, both in traditional world and in academia, where people make assumptions, they extrapolate, right? See, it's based on that. Oh my goodness, that's what they think. Like, no, like how do you get there?
0: What, what's super interesting about this to me, um, on a, like a meta methodological level, I guess. Is when I asked the question about um, the hand washing originally, I think I think what the way you took the question was something like, why is it that modern Hebrew condition people aren't outcasts? Why is it that they're not perpetually untouchable? And and you asked that question really well. My actual question that I was sort of thinking, about, I don't think I had it very well formulated is, if if Tuma's is about like negative feelings, why is it that um, there is such a strict, uh, there's such a strict requirement for like the purification process, so much so that it affects other people. Like, in if someone doesn't mourn properly, okay, he did a bad thing. But he doesn't ruin anyone else's day. But here with this, it seems like he does. And I think what's interesting to me is that while you were going through the steps with me of like understanding situations, so that you can address this other question, I feel like you also addressed my question. Which is super yeah. interesting. My que- so like the way that I would try and address that question, given what you're saying, is that the trauma isn't just about like a man's own negative feelings, like his trauma about an event. It's also about people's response to him. Right. He's like, oh, that that's all, all Billy the grave digger over there. Whatever, I don't know. You know, that's Billy who happened to spend all day yesterday digging a grave. It's like there are. So they're going to be grossed out, and so if if Billy's like, no, no, wash my hands, I'm good. They're like, no, 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 Billy, go have a proper bath and a long cry. Right.
1: So if it's a right, contagion, that's easy, but also emotionally, if you see somebody who hasn't processed anything, you have to deal with it. Can you imagine, like some whatever, you can imagine people, right, Some trauma, I don't know, what is death of a child? Okay, and then they're they're walking around and they're carrying it. Yeah. Then other people like wait. Like we're trying to get work done in the office, right? I don't know, like, like, right. Just like,
0: standing near you, I feel like I'm falling into a pit. Right. Right. Okay.
1: So yeah, could wow. be that even the emotional level of too much plays out, not just for me but for other people. That's a general. Sorry. That's a general. That's a general issue about um halachic thinking that that can tends to be overlooked, or we'll call it practical wisdom thinking, for nieces thinking, which is. I, there's a there's a modern phenomenon that because people tend to be, live in transactional relationships, mm-hmm. meaning I don't really have to be connected to another person. If I pay money, <laughs> I get what I need, right? right? Okay, which is why it makes sense if you have if you if you're wealthy enough society, in a sense, people can do that to do degree, Which is why marriages fall apart more easily. Like it just like it's easier to live transactionally. Mm. Okay, there's no there's not the same need to be connected, but in that reality, people kind of tend to overlook. How we affect each other like norms are not just i don't just stop at a red light at a stop sign red light whatever, so that i don't get hit by the car yeah. I stop at a red light stop sign so i don't hit other people like same thing with these personal norms, like mourning I need to mourn appropriately, not just for myself, but so that i don't negatively affect negatively affect other people
0: that's super interesting and, and it's a big part of um i don't know I, f- I feel like a big part of why i'm I feel really blessed to be like Jewish and embedded in communal living is that that's increasingly absent in like the urbanization of the world. I mean, this is a, this is a, you know, a sort of passe point at this point, but like the fact that, that you can get on your phone, order your schnitzel burger for tonight, a man will come and leave it at your door and leave. <laughs> like, you don't even, you never have to speak to person. a human. Is like both at once, like, you know, magnificent and also horrifying. Right. And it's, um, it's interesting that, people, that there are people who are anxious enough about that interaction that they're like, thank God that I don't have to speak to him. Thank God that I don't have to speak to another human about this.
1: Right. Where are you going with the anxious point?
0: Well, it's, I, I think it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a vicious cycle, right? Like people live increasingly isolated existences, which makes them less well prepared to deal with others. I don't know. It's sort of a tangential point.
1: Okay, so you tell me if you want me to go up to pick up on that or not. That's up to you.
0: <laughs> it sounds it sounds like you you smell blood in the water. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm
1: assuming that in every society there've been some people that, are in their nature, are more you know anxi- anxious mm. with human interactions because you know human nature is human nature, mm. Right? so some people would uh, there would have been people like that, and then you could do this thing of saying. It's reinforced among people that would have had the tendency, but would have overcome it through experience. Right. Right. So, I get it. That's like, like they don't have the experience, so they't overcome it. Like COVID, its effect on teenagers and so forth.
0: And like left-handedness.: Wait, it's, like, it's amazing right. what you, can, what you can it's amazing how much you can force out of someone. Right if, fine. Like in the past, the like, given, given, experience. Right, given the
1: need to overcome left-handedness in the past, because people forming with sites together in the field, you don't know, want somebody cutting somebody else. And so forth, right? And the tools, people would, left handed people would have more accidents with tools in the past. Um, then, yes, amazing how many people could overcome it. Mm. There were people who couldn't, but some people could, right? And then and you, they would overcome it. So, back to the same same thing with um, anxiousness. I get you can say that. Okay. There's another way to look at it, however, which is people are anxious because. They don't need each other as much, and therefore they don't interact in ways that develop trust. Instead of blaming them for being anxious and then saying, you know, oh, they're so anxious they can't handle the, the person at the door, maybe we need to think about is either good or bad, but that the phenomenon is based, really based on the fact that they don't need to interact with each other. Now, that may be bad, because it could be that a society like that eventually falls apart. Because mm. come the organized, cooperating hordes, from whatever right <laughs> okay you know they bring down the civilization of whatever
0: right like okay classic you, know, we, you always gotta be watching out for the step nomads exactly it could be could be horses with with bows and arrows <laughs> any day now right, but, but like
1: okay but, but, but at least that happens is because those that, that are functioning more cooperatively right. uh, actually went out over those functioning more individually yeah okay so I'm just thinking instead of like blaming it on anxiousness, just because maybe that's what I'm hearing, like certain types of, you know, conservative podcasts or whatever, you know, like oh, those right. kind of things. Right? <laughs> so I'm saying, well, I not think it's wrong, but instead of blaming on that, right, get right. to the root. And the root is, is there a way to address that problem of people actually function better if they function cooperatively with all those problems? Because mm. in a cooperative world, suddenly they tell me, well, you can't be left-handed. We need you to, you know, join the, the ranks right. of the people in the field with the side. thing. I get it. That's the downside of cooperative, right? Like, individual, like, okay, do whatever I want, my personality. Um, Yeah, that's what I think. Just if you're going to raise that, I think go in that direction. Not speak about, oh, they're too anxious.
2: I wasn't
0: wasn't speaking in a condemnatory way, both in a, more of in a, um, uh, what would you say? In a in a hand wringing way, I don't know. I, I, I do see okay. it as a negative phenomenon, right? Because of because of the reasons that you touched on there, that I think mm. it's for all the for all the costs and the indignities associated with communal living. You know, lo Adam Okay, right,
1: right. Okay,
0: so then I just
1: okay, so fine. That's why I just wanted to kind of move it away from the description of oh those two people are too oh, as those those people right yeah, to, yeah okay to wait there's a reason everybody as I said earlier no people aren't stupid they're short-sighted because mm. we're mammals we're just short-sighted okay <laughs> but but like but then the answer is to find ways of building in short-sightedness in a like, to be used like to work healthy yeah don't leave them strange right don't leave them strange they're not strange they're just under conditions you don't like, you not like, you don't like the way they behave. Change the conditions hmm. so you'll get them behaving more in line with what would be long-term healthy. Right. But you have to do the short-term conditions. Am I making it? Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: It's you got a um, time discounting is very big amongst amongst all creatures. Like it's it's, right. it's mammalian, but I, I imagine it's even stronger in Yes,
1: yes. But I like to say mammals because you know, like uh, I compare people to mammals, many people really get bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I say, well, you know, we're actually in some way similar to snakes. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, and also, no, there's a reason. Mammals are, are cooperatives.
2: Um, right. right? Co- and
0: yet they still have heavy time discounting. And yes. yet they'll yes. still yes. They'll still say, well, I could eat this deer now mm-hmm. instead of right. saving it for later.
1: Right. Um, to a degree. Right.
0: right. Yes. But Yes. yes. We're not get to to the
1: weeds of mammalian behavior and which species and so forth. That's not worth our time.
0: Right. Um, I do want to touch on one more thing before we have a text prepared. But I do want to touch on one more. (laughs) I want to touch on one more thing that I feel was like a um, a really interesting observation you gave that I think gets to really strikes it a lot of the heart of the method, which is um, you pointed out that. Societies that are more bureaucratic tend to have um, the law spelt out in minute detail and applied the same across every situation. And societies that are like smaller tribal living, you, there's a lot more room for the specific judge to really look at the case and, and make a decision that's wise rather than one that's like hyper-legalistic. Okay. It, it, i don't know if that's a fair uh um, yeah, yes that's yeah okay. that's fair so what i was what i was what was interesting to me what what came to me was um, this idea that part jews today most of us live in the west at least western jews live in the mm-hmm. west and we're embedded in a western way of thinking and so even like urban law systems have been like pretty bureaucratic and um like hyper rules oriented for a long time. And it's it's possible that we have that the the background noise and how how law works has sort of infected our way of thinking. Got it. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's okay, so clear. It's
1: clear. And therefore in a sense maybe that's just we're stuck in that type of halakhic discourse. That's your point.
0: Part of why we're stuck in that halakhic right. discourse is because of this. Okay. Yeah.
1: So first of all take a step back. This distinction between bureaucratic and non-bureaucratic law is Max Weber's. Is not mine, <laughs> okay. Um, Credit where to do it, right? Um, yeah, okay, so there's this type of thinking, you know, like in anthropology, diffusion and so forth, where you're like, okay, you know, you're affected by those, like the idea spreads. Okay. Here's the thing to be, I would say to be careful about that thinking, ideas spread, I think because I think people aren't stupid. We're not smart, smart to think ahead too much, I understand, but we're not stupid, stupid. So ideas spread when they're relevant. In other words, I can be thinking, let's say, bureaucratically about law, and then I function in my family, siblings, parents, children, and suddenly so it's not bureaucratic mm-hmm. Okay? So there is that, I think that's one of those easy intellectual chaps when we talked earlier about you construct right. some big things, like, oh, right, that is so an some answer. people are. <laughs> some forth, okay? Right. Like, no, no, okay? Break it down. I always say, this test, I say, can you break it down step by step by step to describe what's happening? And anytime I'm like, oh, that generally affected. I remember mm-hmm. as a kid, sorry, I'd read historical books and that caused whatever. I'm like, how? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, okay, so, um, yeah, so I don't think that's, I mean, it's a nice model people borrow, and if, let's say they're. Doing Jewish law in academia, then yeah, yeah, sure. Meaning one of two things. They're doing Jewish right. law in Israel, they want it to be part of the legal system, mm-hmm. degree Then yeah, sure, that would happen. Okay? Mm-hmm. Or it's just an American university, but they're in a law department. Okay? Mm-hmm. So then yeah, it makes sense. You're going to process the text through that. You know through that. that. Right, Prism, and that's what they'll do. And like, there's no real reason not to because there's no external. Social test of people are saying that's not a wise decision because mm-hmm. they're not actually ruling for anybody, right? <laughs> that you know, sitting there in a in a in a, in a oh, shook, sure, what am I looking for? Marketplace court, right? And giving a technical ruling that's stupid, right? And people are like, What are you really really really, really? no? This is in academia, right? They're publishing articles, okay, whatever. i like, Okay, no, like, that's fine, that makes sense, they can do that, okay? Yeah. So, to that degree, yes, you're right, okay. But I don't think that's what affected the whole orthodoxy Yeshivish and so forth the world. Okay, I mean yes. Again, in the pure Shiva setting, yes. Okay, one of the things that happened in Brisk Revolution, mm. right? Um, how do we explain Brisk? A legal, a conceptual, analytical method of learning. Okay, one of these you might say behind that revolution was we should we should sound just as sophisticated as the cultural revolution occurring around us. I'm mm-hmm. not saying what kind of Brisk sat there consciously saying that, right. Okay, but like. Like no, like like of course we we are right we're smart we have a whole tradition it also is you know has equals like more greater standing right so this whole revolution is occurring in German law at the time Savigny right and like you're like okay great okay could be fine but again that wouldn't lead to doing halacha that way right okay like got it you would learn that way academically as a kid we we, when I was in the charedi yeshiva. We make fun of, like, oh, pastening through brisker analysis. Mm. That was, like, a joke, okay? Like, right. you're really good at it, okay? Like, like oh, imagine you did it. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> so, so the question is, why did that happen? I think that's a different from that I think that's connected to if halakha is not about learning how to be human, it's not really about everything we've discussed. We've been saying, like, you're learning the practical wisdom from the... We didn't say practical wisdom, but we said... We said a bit for Nisus so at one moment as a passing sentence, but we just, we explain things commonsensically, right? Okay. So, if if basically you know how to be human as American or British or Australian or Israeli, Israeli meaning not to like secular Israel, like Israeli, like yep. Israel. So, doing halacha is basically identity. It's not a way of learning to be human, and it's just about identity oh, okay. practices. Then you do do like. Now you're like, okay, are we doing the same thing? One is, are we doing the same practice? Great. Technically, you know, stupid. Like, like everybody has to wear a tie because that's how you dress nicely. Mm. It's not bad, but it's not why like wise either. It just is. Okay? Like, you know, that's how you dress. For you want to show that you're at a sophisticated event in X culture then you wear a tie, right? Or you'd wear a good suit. is why the French look down upon the Americans, let alone the Australians, because they don't have a dress, right? Fine. But, like... <coughs> um, but it's not you know wise right it's just a practice but then you also get to the point where you're being analytical conceptual where you're like okay so then what do i do if i have a new situation that challenges makes it costly to do that practice what we call in our language halachic problems as if halacha is problematic okay how do i overcome it that's where all i want to do is be loyal to identity but i don't want it to pay too high a price. So how do I overcome it? I'm not like gonna have a discussion anymore about the importance of wearing a scarf so I don't get you know, I don't get ill. i am wearing a tie. Okay, it's just a dress thing. So then do I need to wear a tie in this situation where if I wear a tie, I won't be able to eat soup. tomato soup because me right. tomatoes just jump at me. It's not me, even me, it's just they jump at me. Okay. <laughs> so like, okay, fine, really?
0: Okay, you is that clear what I'm saying? Right. Uh, yeah, you want to ask? Yeah, do. yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still processing it. Let me let me let me shoot it back at you and, and see if I got it. So, it used to be. I don't know if you're gonna if you're gonna love this language or hate it. So, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll say it and find out. <laughs> it used to be that the that the code for running our entire civilization was in Halakha. Right. So everything, like learning how to do everything, was there. Now we've got like this sort of background Western post enlightenment miasma. We already know how to be people, or right. people everywhere are people, whatever. And so, the added layer that halacha gives is mostly like is identity-based, is what well, okay. the language used. But I'm going to break that down because I don't think that's. I don't. I don't feel like I understand that term entirely as I'm using it. So, the added layer is specific identity-based, like tribal
1: affiliation. Yeah, I feel this is how I know I'm connected to the Jews. This is how I know I'm connected to God. This is how
0: I know. Okay. And therefore, the the nature when we when we bring up halachic problems, they're not usually how do I do the right thing by this person? You already know, be a good person, that's fine. That's no that's no longer the domain of halacha, even though traditionally that was the primary domain of halacha. Right. Now the domain of halacha is how do I live in the modern world without betraying my tribal affiliation?
1: Right. Or my call it my affiliation. So with God, whatever most whatever however wants to look at, but it's like it's not like God I'm sitting with God having discussions, am I acting wisely and ethically in life? I mean yes, that too, hopefully, right? But it's these questions are the questions of for many people. Are the questions of am I acting in God's tribe? You know, with,
2: what?
0: <laughs> it just it just occurred to me that that um goddamn. Um Bertrand Russell, I think Mm -hmm. was it Russell was it Wittgenstein? I think it was Russell He famously did like this this a a bit of shenanigans with set theory to disprove set theory,
1: right? Russell has raised the policy of set theory, right? Okay,
0: right. So I I was just thinking of like Trying to do something similar with your method. You're like, oh She's you reading the text about wisdom. No, that's what we used to do back (laughs) when we had a situation But that's how we learned to be people
1: and therefore, what? Finish.
0: And therefore, the right way to read t- Talmud today, when we're living in a different environment, is not using the method, but rather using a series of legalistic trifles. Well, that's are describes why it happens. All I
1: do is to your description yeah. happens, right? Because bureaucracy, I'm like, not because people are imitating law as bureaucratic law, mm. but because they live in the, in the reality of. Call it bureaucracy, a, a reality of heterogeneous transactional relationships, people, society of transactional relationships, right. which is why there's bureaucracy. But like, right? And therefore, they're doing halacha as something that they're just doing it as the way of creating shared identity with fellow Jews, and that's what its role is. So that role is not to teach me the wisdom of how to function in this heterogeneous transactional society. Okay. And that's why it ends up resembling.
0: It resembles the bureaucratic law. Right.
1: Now, I'm trying to, to uphold the way I learned. Not in yeshiva, not in academia, but at home. Hmm. Which was the halacha as common sense wisdom. As, you know, conser- like socially conservative, actually. It wasn't like this liberal thing, oh, it's about wisdom. Like, no, it was actually like socially conservative. And yet it was the most natural discourse. Mm. Right meaning if you had this situation of the culture for being you know more liberal or something and it made sense healthily to do it you did it. Okay, you were like ideologically conservative. You were just trying to be a grounded successful human being So then you know generally you get up early in the morning like Benjamin Franklin, and you know, and all that jazz <laughs> Fine, but like But that's not what it was bad. wasn't ideologically about that I mean, am I jumping too far is this clear? No, I'm listening. Okay, so yeah, that's just the explanation for you saying why is it, did it change? I wouldn't attribute it to imitation Except in maybe Nesheva and academia, but not like in the day-to-day that phenomenon basically because people Are just trying to be loyal and then that that leads to just the games around words Because I want to be loyal but I want to function in, the, in my world In the world I'm
0: living in right? Like, mm. like, US, Australia So the, the sort of the opening of the shtetl is the precondition to the, the modern phase of halacha discussion, in some sense.
1: Right, right, the undoing right. of community, in a sense. Like community as a inter, interdependent economic ties and so forth. Got it, got
0: it. Wow. Why is it still so important to have the old way of understanding the halakha as teaching you practical wisdom? As you said. We live in a world
1: in which people aren't taught how to be people are trying to be people on a very minimum minimal level, which makes sense in some ways, because we can afford to allow for individual differences because we live in a transactional world. So people don't affect each other that much. Mm. Okay? So what worst case, yeah, have somebody yelling on the subway and you know, okay, it's uncomfortable, but like big deal. Okay, like they're just saying the whole ride they're yelling. Okay. Right? They're not in your home, okay? Mm. And you're, you know, stuck with them and they're yelling twenty four hours a day. Okay, but like that wouldn't work. Well, so, so we can afford not to be wise in a sense, making is mm-hmm. why I am being more wise. Like, okay. But the problem is, and maybe, and maybe this is the flaw in what, everything I'm teaching, the weakness, if you will, maybe I'm fighting against windmills like that in Kyoto, okay? But the reason societies fall apart is because they reach the point where they're wealthy enough. Doesn't matter, Roman, It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't have to be the whole society. It can be the upper class in Rome, whatever. Any like anytime you get to those people that don't need to cooperate in the same way, um, then basically you get to the point where people's short-term thinking, which is built into us, leads us to harm ourselves and harm others, and suddenly turn around one day and say, "Wait, what just happened?"
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, right. Oh.
1: really, you really can't even have a discussion about norms if you do it that way. Like, I don't know, just let's say, you know, if we, if, let's say, U.S. You and know, society is like, yeah, sure, wine, alcohol, Seder Pesach, yeah, celebrate, okay? And somebody's like, no. I get, you know, I get hangovers for seven weeks. You're showing me we went together. I get hangovers for seven weeks after, you know, after drinking wine. Or, I, you know, I'm too addicted to it and, you know, someone might say, you know, do moderation. But mm. the AA approach works better for me. Not getting into the debate. Not how much it works, for whom it works, low percentages. Not getting into that. But it works better for me. Just cut it off completely and finished. Okay? And then, but if, like, if you get that wine is about celebration, then you can have a discussion. Okay? Which is, okay, what do you do, right? You can't drink wine, or it's not worth the price, of, right? To drink wine, the cost, right? It's not worth it. Okay, Now what do you do. You can have a discussion, but if it's about identity, you can't have a discussion because everybody's like, "This is what my Judaism looks like, Or my identity looks like." Mm. This is what my, you know, God wants, whatever you want to call it, right? mm. and like has to be wine. The other one's like, "No, it doesn't." And then they start, or and like you just get into arguments. We can't even unpack them because they're not about anything. They're not about anything. <laughs> right? They're about like identity, like <laughs>
0: <gasps> yeah.
1: And then just people yell at each other. That's all, like,
0: yeah. Do you? What would? I mean, the way you're picturing it now, it seems like part part of what I'm getting from it is once, people. I don't know if this is. You said Roman and maybe just the upper class. I don't know if you meant specifically the Senate or the great families altogether. But, um, one issue is the people in power are detached from communal living. Like, they're not ultimately beholden to tribes in the same way, to a greater clan structure. I don't know. Were people traditionally... I, I mean, I guess there was, like, a smaller gap between the common man and the president, even in, like, the 1950s, There's that. But um, what what exactly do you mean by the... the um, the detachment of rich, of, of the upper classes from, uh, if wise living. If I am,
1: let's see, whatever. I know there's upper class wealthy, okay. Call us senators, because that's what we all try to be. <laughs> get to being in the Senate. God so, help us. What? God help us. <laughs> no, like in the Roman Senate, like ah, oh, Roman Senate. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. so, <laughs> so what do you call it? Um, but Somehow there's enough pressure from the populace to keep me doing feasts with them like the carbon Pesach you have to share with the um, What do you call it? The, the anybody circumcising slaves mm. and so forth like or low, lower classes that mm-hmm. are not Like lower classes that were not Ezrahim, okay, so call them low like immigrants no, Gare doesn't have to be an immigrant. And Gare is just a non-citizen. A non-citizen, right. So it could be a lower lower class, depending how you like how you structure your society. Mm-hmm. Okay, it could be a lower lower class is not a considered citizen citizen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or strangers, so, like Gare more famously, right? Foreigners. Um, but as to share my corn with them, right? In a sense, there has to be this connection, right? The local richer landowner, right, has to share the corn Pesak with mm-hmm. whoever they are shareholder, um, what do you call it, Um, sharecroppers, uh, slaves, whoever they are. Okay? Then in a sense, there's something going on of some interaction, some sense of, you know, I know these people, Mm -hmm. they can also burn down my house, pitchforks, whatever, and so on and so forth, right? So the good, the bad, empathy, sympathy, fear, Mm -hmm. and we create long-term thinking where we care about each other. Mm -hmm. Okay? All the things that go into caring societies, which is sympathy, empathy, fear. right?
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? Okay. <laughs> no.
0: You're, just, like, you're, you're not wrong. It's just funny to hear you drop these okay. things. But
1: what happened, let's say, the Roman Senate, right? Is the Roman Senate reached the point where like, okay, Romans go into war? Right? Great. And the peasants have their represent- right, representation representation, the, the poorer classes have their representation, right? The Roman has right, the two rep- the representative of the poorer classes and the wealthy classes. Right?
0: Roughly commensurate to the British system. We have like the House of Lords. Yeah, but yeah. Right. the yeah. House of Commons right. oh. Okay,
1: but then okay, basically reach the point where they're powerful enough that yeah. as Roman soldiers go to war They end up losing their land for all kinds of annual debt taxes, whatever they can't pay it They're off in war by the time they come back from war. Maybe they made some money if they survived right? huh. Okay, but like the land gets taken away that's happening as the Empire collapses like everybody says, oh, the empire collapsed. The republic, sorry, collapsed. The republic collapsed, and then oh, the you know the emperors come in. Imperial Rome, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, because the senate was destroying it come under its feet because Romans, not of the senatorial class, were losing their land. So mm-hmm. of course they got upset. So of course they wanted a dictator who will support their rights, such as Julius Caesar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whatever you think Julius Caesar was really doing. He was born in, he wasn't, I don't care. But he was okay? the populist candidate. He was the populist oh. candidate for good reason. Okay? So, that's the type of thing that happens when they're like, oh, I don't really have any connection to those people that I'm displacing from the land.
0: Oh, heck. <sighs> Why is it that every, every time I learn anything about the collapse of Rome, I'm, I become more concerned about America?
1: Because it's another empire right now in a stage of decline. It doesn't be collapsing. It could be, you know, like Republic to Imperial to Byzantine, right? All those different stages. Okay. I don't know. I, I'm not a prophet, right? But but you just realize, you realize we just walk into the stereotype. Okay? You know that whole meme that was going around recently? Men, ask men about the Roman Empire, right? Yeah. <laughs> we just walk into that. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. I love that. For, I think it was, uh, for Sukkot, I was like, I made a point of like, every every meal, like asking uh, like turning <laughs> to a man who's at the table. If I ask you a question, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Okay. okay. <laughs> but what was funny is that um is that I got a lot of like, oh, all the time because I'm a tour guide in Israel oh, that's and cool. like everything here is sure, Roman yeah, architecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a lot of that. Um but I also I also feel like part of that uh, part part of that obsess the the it's the, the, like Western man's obsession with Rome is like the direct lineage, right, like, I don't, you know, the, if if an empire goes through a political transformation, if a kingdom goes through political, it's still the same kingdom, right, it was the Roman Republic, then was the Roman Empire, and then, like, you know, the Goths take over, like, you know, goes over to Byz- Byzantium, it's the same empire, the one in Byzantium, okay. and then when, like, you know, it, it's, you know, it has a bit of a chaotic state, but then everyone, like, Europe is like, we're actually the true heirs of Rome, I mean, in some sense, they are. Right? Okay,
1: it's but like, why? Where are you going with this?
0: I just think that like modern American man is in some sense the direct heir of the Roman Empire. Okay,
1: so now what you're doing is you're doing that phenomenon of looking for identity links, right? So right. One, one would be Jewish, right? Way of doing, yeah. it, right? You know, Jewish Torah, right? Yeah. Right. The other is oh, Western back to Rome. Yeah. Right. I think the reason we're dealing with Rome is just because we're going through a similar condition, and that's the empire we know. How many people in the West know the history of Chinese rise and fall, the Chinese empires? Right. Great. So <laughs> go.
0: Okay. So is isn't wait. but isn't isn't that a bit circular? Like we know about it like us because okay, we think could it's be, us because it's be us
1: could, that's fine. Right. That's okay. Or it's because the people before us knew it, so they could pass on, and it on. Other people then know they passed it on, and so on and so forth. Meaning it's a, it's a cause and chain. The reason I'm raising this is
2: mm-hmm.
1: because. I don't think that right. The real question is not why are we connected. I want to like bring this back to yeah, our sure. topic. Right? Is that why do we feel connected to Rome? Which I could easily explain because that's the information that got passed on by those who were more connected. Mm-hmm. And those those other people have to that's the information they have because they never heard about China, whatever, barely heard heard about right. it, and so on and so forth. Right. So really the reason these questions come up is because we're looking for sources to help us think about life. Mm. So we turn to the sources that we have
0: available. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Okay, and that's in a sense what we're back to this whole thing. Right, as Jews, we have like practical norms. Not much about saving empires from falling because I don't know if anybody succeeded in ever doing that. Right, but <laughs> oh, <boy>. okay, but <laughs> or we're going through stages, whatever you want to call it. But but we have lots of practical advice on how to be human because that's easier to give advice like that, like individually, community. Right, that's where you can come up with norms mm. or call them halakhot, like default norms. Yeah, right. You can come up with that wherever, like you can basically build over time enough experience that yeah, this works. Yeah. Okay. You know how to handle if your economy is declining in, in proportion, not gonna like right, in proportion to some other economy that's growing. Uh, no, nobody has an answer right. to that. Okay. Right. So that's where okay. Wait, I'll pause. So yeah, that's what halakha offers. It offers basically ways of thinking.
0: Hmm. No, I like that. We're
1: experienced works. We have experience. Like people sometimes ask me, why don't we have a thought about whatever large issue? Yeah. Because we don't have experience of what, what, what the default norms So that would be. We don't have, we haven't developed default norms. We don't have them. Or maybe, you know, you can't even create default norms, which in theological languages, God can't give you default norms So that, right? But like, it's just to, you know, like, there are no default norms. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. But wherever you have default norms, then you can come up with, you can have
0: halafots. As in, it is the sort of situation w- that we've been through before a whole bunch of times, it seems that what's right. wise is like this.
1: Right, so these are your default norms. And then if you're really nuanced, you learn the exceptions. Like right. first mission 11, and then Tom, you know, Talmud Gemara level. So for instance, don't talk in the middle of your daily morning and evening experience of accepting God and Shema and all that. Okay. We, can talk. Mm-hmm. we need to. We can talk about the psychological issues there. Benefits. Okay. That issue is benefits. But whatever it is, don't talk in the middle. Okay. Great. Now somebody comes along, someone comes along, doesn't realize you're saying schema, whatever it is, they greet you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay? Wow. Class in a society people interact. You've been in society in the Middle East. Have you been anywhere where people like when you greet somebody? You
0: You better attend that greeting. Yeah, and it's not it's not just
1: like, uh oh, bye, you wave your hand. Bye, hi okay, like. You talk a minute, like whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, 30 seconds, a minute, something. Okay, then somebody greets you, then of course you're gonna have that discussion of maybe interrupt Shema to respond. Mm-hmm. So you have default norms, then you have defaults for what to do with exceptions, if they're common enough. So that becomes part of your default mm-hmm. rules. Then you get to exceptions which are not common enough to have created default rules. So then we have our people that have hopefully internalized the wisdom and the contradictory tensions and everything you learned from Talmud about the default rules Mishnah, right? And they're like, oh, this is what we should do in this situation. They're so like, oh, that's
0: yeah, that's a wise call, but then that, and that's responsive or right? It's that's interesting. I want to I want to gr- I, I loved all that that the thing you said at the end was like oh that's a wise call right. reminds me of something else you've observed which is that if you're a judge in a small community um, you don't. You don't get to keep being a judge very long if the people are constantly furious at the calls you're making. Right. You, so ultimately, like, people need to be able to look and go, nice. And um, this reminds me of one of my favorite pu- unsolved puzzles in mathematics, There's a, um, it's a, what is it? You, P equals NP, which is, which roughly is like, um, it's, it, the difference in work required to solve a problem is different from the amount of work required to confirm that the solution is um, correct. So, like the the in cryptography, prime factors, right. right? Like you gotta give me a number with sixty digits in it, and then I'll and and tell what I'll I'll give you that number. You tell me what the two prime numbers that multiply together to make it are. Like good luck. Right. But if I say either is it this one and this one, you can check that really right. easy. Right. So. Um, they're, they're, I think that's. I think it's still part of the Millennium Prize. Like, if you can prove P equals MP, you win a million dollars. But um, I see it everywhere in my life. And one of the things is the way that I, I'm seeing it here is um, you need to be wise enough that you can that you can come to a solution that when you present it to the people, they go, "Yeah, that's wise." Right. You're thinking, well, if you know, if they're going to say that, why do they think of it? Because it's ah, a different okay, level that, of work. Yeah,
1: Right, exactly. They have to be able to recognize it. it. Doesn't mean they would come up with it, right?
0: Yeah, and I am. Um, well, it's, it's interesting because I've been sitting through in your classes for a while now again, and I'm reading through Baba Kama specifically, which is a lot of this. There's a lot of rubber meeting a lot of road here, where a lot mm-hmm. of people come in and they tell a lot of stories about specific. Well, here's a specific situation. This guy came here. He had this problem with this guy, and then this and this guy. He did this. Why did he do that? And mm-hmm. and all the time when I'm reading it now, I'm like if <laughs> if I were the rabbi in this situation, I made this call, would people ever come back to my court again <laughs> or not? And like, it's, it's so interesting to keep that in, right. in your head as, a, as like, as a motivating factor, possibly the prime motivating factor. Right. Because you need, you need that system to work. You need, there, you need there to be a sense in the people that like, if we have a dispute, there's somewhere we can go instead of violence.
1: Right. Right. I just want to do one thing. Sure. You said you need it because otherwise, you won't come to the system. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, I think people think a lot more short term. I need it because if I don't judge that way, people will look at me and say, you idiots. <laughs> okay? like, right. Okay? Right. Like, it's a lot more short term. Okay? And then it works out <laughs> beneficially for everybody. Oh, the system is maintained. Right.
0: But we can dress it up as like the reputational costs accrued by the judge have right. a deleterious effect exactly. right. on the overall. And thing. then
1: we will lose our system. that people won't come to our courts. You know how, yeah. how often people don't understand that? That's why companies go out of business. Why is nobody buying our product? Da, da, da. Right? Okay. Right. As opposed to the immediate response of everybody right. around me looks at me like I'm an idiot. I'm like, wait a moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you ever heard about the, the study thing? No, no. But it was. way,
1: oh, just one more step. That yeah. also affects how I teach the students. Then, because if I've had that experience, then I will pass on to the students. Not just oh, because I need to uphold the institution. Da, da da. Because I know what it's like to end up sounding stupid. Mm. So I teach the students not to be stupid. And I teach them to think wisely. So,
0: and, therefore, oh, because, it transforms the. Because it everyone is always being af- afraid of being told, you idiot, Right, regardless of if, if they're an essential <laughs> pillar of the local <laughs> judicial system or not. As long as they've had that experience first. Right. Right, right, right. This this speaks to another one of your principles, which is, like, you can only really compare the stuff you've experienced. Right. Or, like, uh, what? There's, there's like some, like, minor exceptions to that stuff that you have Heard stories that you've heard about and thought about deeply, maybe something any, anything
1: you've experienced or anything that you've experienced secondarily that was similar enough to what you've experienced in the primary way, primary, right? secondary I meaning movies, literature, yeah. and so on. but similar enough to what you've experienced prim, in the primary way that actually gets internalized as another experience.
0: Oh, interesting! So the movie yeah. itself has to be like something you already know, but then once you get the movie, then you can that make it, it easier right. movie. Got it, really cool. Uh, you, you mentioned this the lack of wisdom as one of the things leading to potentially greater political collapse but even if it doesn't it's probably a good idea to live wisely in your immediate community look yes
1: i didn't think about political collapse when i started like whatever how many years ago who knows <laughs> when <I> was, yeah.
0: <laughs> You thought about people looking at you and saying you idiot <laughs> no no, but when it, no
1: no actually this whole method started when I, whatever i think as a kid i was like looking at people saying why wow, are talking past each other and you you often don't know what you're talking about people from different cultures. Meaning, I'm mean, a good parent. I have parents. You know, one parent was born here in Israel. One parent was born in Hungary and then showed I and got to Israel. Right? Then you know, in the states, right? So there's this orthodoxy. There's this American orthodoxy. There's this, you know, different backgrounds. Even the two parents, right? And, and, and within orthodoxy, I went to a range of schools, like. Okay, and of course, cousins that were secular Jews, you know, like American, you know, reform whatever, you know, young Kippur, you really go to school, like, federation supporters, you know, the range of that type of jury, Not quite Australia, but similar. Um, right, so, um, and then Gentiles, right, also, okay, so I'd be like, non-Jews, right, and I'd be like, wow, um, there's like so much miscommunication, because people... A, don't realize that they're saying things, they're speaking different languages, but if you kind of just translate you can figure out that they're saying similar things. Or B, they haven't really thought about what and why they're saying what they're saying. So, that struck me, and then at some point, I was reading like a utopian type, like 60s novels and so forth, you know, like, or songs, like, you know, Stranger John Lennon. Strangland?
0: Rhode Island sort of thing?
1: Sure, or all kinds, like I read, I can't, like, at some point in high school, yeah, I think in high school somewhere, I was like, okay, how many books do I read a week other than Nisheva, you know, you learn all day Nisheva, right, Mm. okay, so, like, you know, secular Nisheva and Torah, how many books am I reading just for fun a week, I mean, I read, like,
0: 10 books a week, (laughs) novels, right, okay, so. So, like, completing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you complete, so that's more than a novel a day? Despite the fact yeah, with the Shabbos, is more time. Ah, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> How many novels would you put, out, put away on a standard Shabbos? Three. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Anyway, it doesn't matter. So the point is... And then hang on, you go to bed each night... Actually, paint this picture for me, because this is relevant. You go to bed each night, you have a novel, you're like, let's go, and then you keep reading until it was done?
1: Well, during the day, like, you know, my mother would be frustrated. You know, she calls me and I'm not hearing her because I'm reading, you know,
0: that phenomenon... I I'm <laughs> somewhat familiar, but isn't it like six, seven hours of reading that you need to do? No, I read, no
1: I, I, I read
2: quickly. Uh, okay. I'll that's a secret
1: sauce. Yes, that's a secret sauce. Otherwise, you can't do it. So it's like, it's like today, you listen to something on I'm to date speed. YouTube. Okay, but yeah. two times speed. No, we still do YouTube. you are fine.
2: I was a close one, though.
1: Okay. Anyway, the point being that, um, wait, why did this why do we get there? We're it, talking sorry.
0: about you your we we people speaking past each other. When you were right. a kid, you were in you started reading oh, also that Right. So and it also the,
1: the people coming up with all the ideas that they weren't asking themselves because I, I was I was born later, right? Mm. I was like, or at least as a, as a kid, mm. I was growing up later. Like I could I'm post the phenomena, mm. right? They're all writing the sixties utopias, but I'm active utopian, right? Okay. So like I'm like
0: you're, wow. you're, 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 you're growing up reading this after the Tamers.
2: Sure. I mean, that's, the that's like... are... are 71, 70, I
0: think? Yeah. So... And that's like that's traditionally seen as like yeah. the end, 70, 71. It's yeah, the yeah, end of the yeah, 60s. Yeah. That's where like, oh, being a hippie doesn't solve everything. Right. You still end up with psychopathic... Right. So that's how I got
1: to that with oh, Yeah, definitely after that. Right. right. Okay. So um, I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Like, you know, utopia sounds beautiful, but wait, <laughs> like... There's something missing here and i realized like what's missing is the concrete thinking and i'm saying this is the kid kids tend to be liberal oh, well m- m- many people tend to be liberal sean. Sean as uh as irish irish sean uh, sean um sean o'malley no sugar a sugar a sean oh wow. sure sure that's one sure george bernard sure <laughs> that's like right
0: so <laughs> sean said, sugar, sugar a <laughs> so sean said,
1: Right, you know, like to, anybody who's not a socialist when they're young is cruel. Anybody who's who uh, was it was still a socialist when they're older is, is an idiot, something like that, right? Like, that's sure. Yeah,
0: he was he was the primary writer for the Fabian Society. I think that's true. Doesn't seem like he would say that. I somehow may have it as sure. Okay, we can check. I'm Maybe sorry, he did check. say it. Maybe yeah. he was like, "I mean this pamphlet. So I would explain <laughs> to you why you should hold on to your youthful <laughs> ideas." I don't know. He knows? Gone. So I've so heard okay. the phrase anyway. Twenty and right. fifty.
1: Yeah. Right, so um, head and heart. But even then, I was like, okay, you know, well, it's, you know pe- all societies, in a sense, tend to be conservative. Even if they're progressive, they tend to be conservative. They have their, like, fixed things they're saying. So if you're, like, kind of looking at it, and you're like, wait a moment, right? What about the exceptions? Okay. Right? Okay. Looking at what? At uh, the like, society. And it's, like, right. fixed whatever. And you're like, wait, what about this? What about that? Like, okay. But even with that going on, because you know, mm. young and rebellious, the nature of people, right? Um, I was always like, yeah, but not stupid. Like, you know, like it's not utopia, like, wait, you can't just stupidly imagine that you're going to have a whole world that's radically different.
0: Right. So, okay. you, so, let me just make sure I'm understanding you here. You, you're, you're a teenager, you're reading utopian books, and even though you're a rebel against the society you're actually in, and you're thinking, it'd be cool if we could do something better, you're reading these utopian offerings, so you're like, come on, buddy, you, you clearly aren't even thinking through your own utopia. Right. There are gonna, there's always going to be issues. Right. Uh, you're not addressing them. That's, that's, that's right. something that was important for you yeah. in the development of your personal thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
0: So, as a kid, you're watching. Your... But it's not because yeah, you know, everything society is collapsing. It wasn't like that, right? I'm saying even without that, as
1: you said, it's just important to live in terms of living. Right. You have to navigate. You have to lean, ameliorate problems, not imagine you're going to jump over them mm-hmm. and somehow um, you know solve them. Right.
0: Well, okay. Here's a practical. Here's a practical, practical thing. Right. We're at the time of year when. Um, a lot of people are, I mean, a bit for Hanukkah, but definitely contemporary Western American society. A lot of people are going home for the holidays, okay. and they're talking to relatives who have different political views for the first right. time in a long time,
2: right.
0: and they're having a, a lot of trouble with that.
2: Okay.
0: What What advice do you have for people? I mean, I, do, I mean, the the broad question, I guess, is: Do you see this talking past each other in like the modern American political context? Yeah. And then, yes, (laughs) okay, that's the level. (laughs) What practical advice do you have for someone going home for Thanksgiving? Or someone who's about to have a child home for Thanksgiving? Or a nephew home for Thanksgiving? Or whatever.
1: Wait, what advice do I have? Look, that's two That's really... In a sense, it's two different questions. One is, what's the practical advice? Mm. That's thing you can do, given the situation. Okay. The other is... Talking about the situation at the same thing. Meaning, right? A lot of what's happening is people are have heated opinions, mm-hmm. not because they actually know the consequences. Okay. They just have heated, opinion, heated opinions. Okay, so uh, um, um well if Tibet were not you know controlled by China, what would happen? I have no idea, I've never thought about it. Okay, I don't need to, as far as I'm concerned, I could say evil China, you know, Done. controlling Tibet. Like, yeah. Why? Because it, it allows me to think about the problems of, you know, people with power and then, you know, unending greed and, and so on and so forth and therefore you expand and you take over and all that. Great. I haven't, like, it doesn't really affect me to think about the Tibetans themselves because I'm not really involved in, in any way thinking about I could change their lives. Mm. Okay. So then I have an opinion. Opinions are not problem-solving. Opinions are I have my emotional story based on my biography, my experience, what bothers me in life, Mm -hmm. and I project it onto something else.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, those are usually opinions. Sure. Okay. If I really want to problem-solve something, then usually what happens, I'm like, wait, this is a specific issue at hand. You like vanilla ice cream, I like chocolate ice cream. We only have money for one small cup. (laughs) Okay, what do we do? Okay. That's something we start problem-solving, mm-hmm. okay? If, you're like, if, it, if I said, my opinion, chocolate is the only right ice cream, and you're like, vanilla is only the right ice cream, then clearly we're not problem-solving anymore. Yeah. We're dealing with some emotional needs of our own, okay? So, most of these debates, families and all that, are about opinions, the way I'm using the word opinion now, mm-hmm. okay? I'm sure that's a better word, but you know, they're not actually about, wait, problem-solving. Right. Okay? So, those are going to be heated because everybody's carrying emotional baggage with them. Mm-hmm. That's why these types of debates get heated. Okay. So, like, the best thing I can say about that is just don't talk about it. Why would I talk about something I don't really know anything about? I don't really want to problem solve it. I just want to vent my opinion to so somebody who doesn't share the same ones. Because I think I, Cause Cause I think I do know a lot
0: about it. Because what? Because I think I do know a lot about it. Not about
1: ameliorating it. About ameliorating, about ameliorating it. it. I know a lot about ameliorating it. I know a lot about why I'm right.
0: Just go ahead. Right. Okay, but not about
1: ameliorating so if we're not having a discussion with somebody about how to ameliorate something.
0: I think a lot of people have pretty clear ideas of how to ameliorate things.
1: Like, really? Like what? Yeah,
0: Dunning Kruger effect. Like you don't have to know much about something before you think you're an expert on it. No, I'm an expert on the problem and the evil, not on right. solving it. I mean, like I don't know. If you I think so I think on a on a very simple level, the way of solving it is if we all just voted the right colour. That's not solving. I know I agree with you, but you can see how to some people that is. No,
1: but that's the point. That's not ameliorating because then I'm not actually taking reality into account Mm -hmm. and then saying, okay, why are all these people voting differently? Right. And then how do I get them to vote the way I think? Let's say I think, right, I'm convinced I'm right. Okay. Okay. How do I, how do I, right? What, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing that Mm -hmm. leads them to vote differently? Mm -hmm. Not they're stupid, even if they are stupid, which is never a good answer, but let's say, Right? Why are they stupid? How do I change that first to then change right, the eventual vote? Right. Okay, that's ameliorating. Okay, we're actually doing it step by step. Okay, usually what you discover along the way is of course they're not stupid. There's something you're overlooking how your way of thinking harms your way of government policy policy, whatever harms them. Okay, but assuming for the moment you're right. Okay, and really it's all just one thing stupidity to think. Great. Okay, so then then you would do it step-by-step. Step. I mean, and you'd have discussion how to amel- ameliorate that. Right. Okay? But that's not what they're doing. They're so like, if, if only, if only is no longer amelioration. If only is just my emotional opinion of the whole world just had so chocolate in every corner, I'd be happy.
0: <laughs> right. So, the, even if you think, even if you think that the way to solve everything is about the right color, it still behooves you to pay attention to your interlocutor. Assume that he has good reasons for whatever opinions he has. Find those good reasons and speak to those good reasons.
1: If you actually want to ameliorate the situation. Right. Right? And if you don't want to, you're just upset. Then you share, when you're upset about something, obviously you share with people that share your upsetness. Can you imagine I go to somebody people that love vanilla, whole crowd of, we are the vanilla lovers, Right, and I go to them, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm so upset! They sell vanilla everywhere. There's no chocolate. McDonald oh. sells, um, you know, the cheap vanilla machine. Ah, oh. right.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. The, the one that traditionally the machine is always broken. Is that
1: well? Okay. Well, I guess oh, I know where you are. It's <laughs> always totally broken. Okay. That's, okay, fine. So, like, but and there's a reason. that's vanilla because actually that's the one you can make really cheaply in something Okay. But, oh, it's easy to make vanilla cheap and it's, good. It's cheaper than chocolate. Yeah, to make cheap vanilla, right. Okay, it's cheaper than, uh, than chocolate. Fine. But the point is, right, if I went around to all the vanilla lovers in the world complaining that McDonald's isn't selling, you know, this chocolate cheap ice cream, right? They'd be like,
0: fine, vanilla's <laughs> <looks> better anyway. <laughs> right.
1: right? Okay, like, so if you've if the issue is really griping, mm. then gripe with the people that share your gripe. Right. Okay. No, don't gripe with the people that don't share it. That's just stupid. Right? And if what you're doing is you want to convince somebody because you actually want to... Ameliorate something, then you don't argue about that. You argue about the thing you want to ameliorate. Like mm-hmm. great, you have that approach. I have that approach, but we both believe every you. I don't know. Everybody's school kids should have access to the internet so they can learn how to read. What Wiki- they can read Wikipedia. Yeah.
0: Okay. Great. We agree on that.
1: Great. So let's ameliorate
2: that. So okay. how can we
0: fix that? Right. So okay. find the issues that the two of, that you, you you agree are issues and work on those.
2: Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. The reason
1: people get into arguments with their families. Yeah. Is because they want to be—they ba- want their emotional reality. No, they want their baggage to be validated, which is why it's it in the families. Right. Okay, I want you to
0: validate my way of looking at the world.
1: No, that's a different person.
0: Okay, so 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 hang on. So your advice for so let's break it down. Someone wants emotional baggage out. Uh, what's your advice to the the person seeking the validation what's your advice to the person who is in that, in the position of needing to offer emotional val- validation for emotional baggage that is from a different perspective?
1: So the person seeking to mm-hmm. like, validation' say find people that share your mm-hmm. your emotional position and the other okay Just one thing never take yourself too seriously like emotionally fine okay, but don't believe yourself
2: mm
1: Okay. It's a phrase that people find hard. But, like, of course you can have your bias. Of course you can have your thoughts about the world. Maybe even right in God's eyes. Who knows? Okay, great. Okay, but don't trust yourself. Like, don't believe yourself. Okay? Yeah. Like, you, you're you're there. Fine. That's where you're stuck. That's where you're coming from. Your biography, your emotions, your personality, your DNA, whatever. Fine. Okay? But, like, like, like you know, relax a little. Relax in the sense of, of live it, but don't believe it's really the true, you know. Master solution to whatever. Okay,
0: yeah. Okay,
1: that's one. That's but, one. Okay, the other, is, and therefore find people to share with you, but don't make it an echo chamber where, like, next to you do, you start bombing everybody around you, like, <laughs> like you know, oh, you know, the weatherman, uh, the weather, underground what was it called? Yeah,
0: the weatherman. Right. That's right.
1: Okay, so, okay? Unless you've really thought that step by step by step, how it, you know, really play <laughs> I out. I'm bombed. All right. Okay, maybe fine. Though clearly didn't because it didn't work the way they thought. But okay. Um the in terms of people that approach you with that that's harder because there you can't control what other people do in life that's one of the things about healthy boundaries mm. like you just you can't like it's not up to you how another person feels thinks, and so forth okay that's the first step. like you don't control it. Mm. Okay? like uh sometimes I'm involved in palestinian in jewish dialogue and like uh, uh, yeah even though i don't have what might be called the classic left left views, but I was anyway. I was invited to participate to participate twice in like four day sessions. Um, and I remember one there was somebody in the Jewish group who was like trying to Palestinians. Of course, you have to accept it. You know, the, you know, we, the Israel has to withdraw to so the you know to the sixty seven whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. um, boundaries, um, and you have to accept that, of course, because mm-hmm. that's the moral thing. The Palestinians are looking it like. No it isn't like not in our eyes right no but you have to like like you can't tell other people what to think like I was right you, If you think that that's the best response given everything that's fine. you do what you do right? right but you don't take you can't claim you can't like other people are gonna do what they think. okay that's basically a healthy boundary mm. okay you function within reality and that's what you do within reality but you're not you can't like oh why should the whole world see what I see we're back to opinions okay like, they don't see the world where you see it okay? Finished. Okay. So now why am I saying that? Okay. Because you don't control it. People are right, coming to your table. What you could do, however, maybe might work is you basically accept them and then change the conversation. Like have a conversation in one that they feel accepted without that issue being the issue at play. Mm. Right. You just try to play or they raise something and every kind of just politely shows disagreement if they disagree they either don't show disagreement right mm. but it's but hopefully the person knows and they know they didn't really win anybody really over right <laughs> or in a sight se- in a sense of a polite way right but like but like in a way that doesn't push it like you, but again you can't control
0: it the other person is going to be pushed they are going to be like from you're not going to get pushed right yeah. you can't That's not like it's not up to you it's, it's like three hours of getting yelled at on the subway it's right. bad it's not you know it's okay bad. you can't right you can live with it guys interesting Interesting. I want to. I wanna, um, your, your statement about not taking yourself too seriously reminded me of this um, This quote. Do you read Dune? Yeah, I've read Dune. Herbert? There's, this, there's yeah, a great yeah. line from, um, I think it's from like the sayings of Muad'Dib that are at the front of each chapter. Okay. But it's um, Greatness is a transitory experience, it is never persistent. It depends in part upon the myth making imagination of humankind. The person who experiences greatness. Must have a feeling for the myth he is in. He must reflect what is projected upon him. And he must have a strong sense of the sardonic. This is what uncouples him from belief in his own pretensions. The sardonic is all that permits him to move within himself. Without this quality, even occasional greatness will destroy a man. Interesting. Okay.
1: And you're worried about? Ego. I'm not worried about anything.
0: No, I mean, the, the me. phrase you, the phrase you, uh, the phrase you said about not taking yourself too seriously right. reminded me of that, and I figured I'd I'd drop that expanded quote and see if that twigs anything for you. And the fact that you said interesting means maybe it did. Maybe, but okay. So you're doing your associative approach, right? Is you. <laughs> uh, what is, you call it. Um, yeah,
1: but we, we you took it to the place of. But in, in a sense a necessary ego to function mm-hmm. okay, but then don't take it too, too seriously because that will just destroy you If you really take yourself too seriously,
0: right? Okay, I mean I also I really like this quote and I but I feel like I don't Maybe fully understand it and I, I thought that if I if I handed it to you, you'd probably walk me through <laughs> it a bit That's my selfish motive here. Got it. So
1: I would put it differently Look, there, there's truth to it. I can like, find, I can give you Chazal sources about that. You know, like, uh, so, you know, as you, said, you have to like the person have to know is the myth, reflect you through them, and they have to live up to it. But then, you know, be somewhat sardonic, right? Which is Chazal, same as like, you know, I'm a great analyst, okay? Like somebody saying that, right? <laughs> right? Um, no, the point of that is, then it says I understand the role that I'm meant to be doing, and I'm doing it, right? But I also understand I'm just, I'm just. The person doing it.
0: Wow. Right? Oh, that's right? what that's about? Yeah. It's like look at me, I'm performing honor Okay, I guess that's what this village needs, is a No, like that's
1: otherwise you can't be not a great right? So you're just saying the words. But honor is like, Yeah. Exactly. What's needed, right? That's what the world needs. People are not am and I'm yeah, I'm working on it. Like in Man I'm just this person trying to. Right? Okay.
0: Try is it at the end of Seta? They're like talking about how all the, the great, like the great categories of people have left right. the world. And one of them's like, w- with the death of Rabbi so humility right. left the world. And like another guy in yeah. Piper's like, hey, I'm still here. Right, right, right. <laughs>
1: right. But that's what it means. If you do it, if, you know, obviously, not if you're one of these, we won't get into naming Lush and hurt about people anymore. But other people get up and say, oh, whatever. And then they really think a lot of themselves. Mm. I, mean, I appreciate, awards, appreciate
0: you certain not, types of awards <laughs> I appreciate you not, uh not speaking last to i i actually I really admire that about you it's um it's something I've noticed because I'm in your class and I, I see you get frustrated about like the way that other people do approach things quite often and I don't think I've ever heard you speak ill by name of anyone um even academically where you'd think oh, yeah you know i have a i have a I have grounds to
1: it. right. If need be, if I really need to like illustrate something, and it's you know, accepted or phenomenal, or one person specifically does it, then I'll explain why they do it, why it makes sense to do it that way, mm. and then why I disagree. But even, but it's weird, right, even when I have to. Right. Well,
0: that's right.
1: interesting. Right, um, otherwise it wouldn't make sense. I everything, everything, the point is, it can't be that they're wrong because I don't like it. That's, right, I have to sit there and explain. This is, this <laughs> is I get why they're doing it. Right, <laughs> now let me tell you why. There's a better way, right? Um, but so uh, so I, that's that quote. Um, I don't know. Like I, and really, this is. I don't know that I'm right about this, but part of me is like, is that the way I would go through the world, or is it the way to go through the world? Just do. Forget anything about mission being reflective, and you just do. And what was it? Not mission. What was the word there?
0: Well, the the, the word's very specific. Um, it. Myth, the, no. myth-making the myth making right. imagination of humankind. Right. No, but then
1: through the person. The
0: person who experiences greatness must have a feeling for the myth he's in. Myth, he must right. reflect what is right. projected right. upon him. Right.
1: So right so right. So one approach is like there's a myth and that's what motivates you in the myth, right? It's the classic, you know, everybody's into these days. You know, the the you know, um, that the story that life you build your life as a narrative and myth building. Um the hero quest, the hero quest. Here's Johnny, things. Joseph Campbell. Right, exactly. It came, right? It very, right, Campbell these days and Jordan Pierce. Peterson is even kind of, right, it was like Campbell and all that. Fine. And I get it. That's why we look at things. Right? Okay? But there's another way, which is, it's a myth, but it's it's the myth of you just do. It, it It's a type of myth, meaning it's a, it is a heroic myth. It's kind of a stoic heroic myth, but it's not negative necessarily it's just you do it's life it's not campbell's you know conquest of and then da 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 okay because that one always leads to, of course at some point it's over and you know and bilbo not bilbo
0: yeah bilbo also frodo, frodo. but i mean they have the
1: to- hero for there was the only one no, but bilbo's yeah early bilbo's one. in the hobbit right so, further, right? If you know, further goes on, scrap. Now, he, like, what's he gonna do with himself? So, he goes off, you know, elves into, the, you know, into the, the next world, okay, basically in right. the boat. Okay, like, okay? there's always that thing, right? Of like, great, you did a mess and now what? Okay. And that's why people often end up not being able to be humble because this, this moment has to matter. They can't be sardonic, if you will, because it has to matter because otherwise, what you realize is you're just another person. And redoing is meaningless. Mm. Versus a different type of myth, which is the role is to be to do. You know, like uh, like Choni Amaga Amagel, whatever, who whom that you know the farmer says, "I'm planting the tree so that my grandchildren will have
0: it." You'll never, you'll never, you'll never eat from this carrot right. right? It takes seventy years to grow. Okay, but is.
1: people planted before me. I planted for the ones after me. Yeah, right? which is a different type of myth. This myth, of I would say being doing, but I don't want to say being because that turns into a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah. Meditation being don't do like I don't like no like there's a whole way people say being without doing, no like being doing. Okay, and then there's no need for s- sardonism. Now some people tell me that's not a really little of a motivation. So I, 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 get it. I, I get I get <laughs> why then you get into all that if you will Campbell, oh. but. Don't take stuff too seriously in a sense.
0: Maybe. Well, I don't. I think. I think the the way that the guy is talking about the, I think there's a, there's specifically a political component here. It's not just about like oh, I'm going to project myself into a myth because that's what motivates me. Although you know more power to you if that's a you do the thing. I think specifically what what what's being gotten at in this quote is, um, uh, it, it pertains to his like sudden acquisition of popular political office. Right. Right. He suddenly becomes. I don't want to spoil the book. It's an amazing book. Go read it. But but you know he suddenly gets like a lot of political power that right. doesn't come from his family history or whatever, whatever. whatever. Right. And so suddenly he has like he's putting on more of a, of a performance in some right. sense. But I, interestingly, I, I don't think I thought about this before. But before when he was just a duke's son, he could just like the way the duke the duke he does a bit of performance, but mostly he's just doing the right thing. Right. Just do the right thing. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. People respect it. You have loyalty there. Right. Once you get into a situation where you're you're embedded in a, in a wildly foreign culture, and they see you as like this foretold guy who's going to unite the tribes and so on so on right. so on. Now you have a now you have to play by their rules in some sense. Like they have a story, right. and you got to fit into right. it. Um, and maybe I, you know thinking about it more, part of what that means is part of what that is is just like a translation effort like because you know it's like you always like to say the human condition isn't that different so he has ways of thinking about the world and and like oh this is how i describe the situation but they come from like a different place and so the language he uses either like that literal language or you author that, you mean? i'm talking about about the, the character, character or yeah. either the, the, the literal language he uses or or like the words he uses or the Embodied performance of things is is adapted to his audience. Uh, small example, right? Like early in the book, the, there's a guy comes to meet the duke, and one of the one of the local siege leaders. He comes to meet the duke, and he spits on the table in front of him. And the duke's men are, you know, getting up and drawing this, their weapons. And the duke's like, you know, I thank you very much for the gift of your body's water, and he spits on the table as well. It's like it's a ceremony, right? <laughs> yeah. and they didn't get that. So in when you want to say the human condition is no different, what you say is you give honor by making an expensive display that and so he comes in, he gives honor by making an expensive display. That's it. Okay. It's so so in some sense that it's the same, right?
1: They're speaking the same. And now that he is in power, he has to know.
0: Well, now that now that Paul's leaving these other guys, okay. he has to spit on the table instead of instead of shaking hands or whatever. Right? Yes. So there's a difference, so he's still he's still and he needs to reflect their myth because they're looking for somebody to reflect their myth. Right. Got it.
1: Okay. In a sense, that's right. That's, that's just practically what he has to do at the stage he's in now. Mm. That's really what you're getting at. Right. Okay. Okay. I get it. That's that's, that's what people tell me at times. Right. In a sense, that's part of what you need to do in life. So, just one of so the saying two things. One is there are people really quite, anyway, in Campbell. Yeah. Because that's human. Okay. And, um, what do you call it? <clears throat> And um, and maybe here I'm being naive, but <laughs> even when somebody's in a role, it's best to it be. I think it's best to somehow convey the role with with minimizing everything that people project onto it. You're right. So something you're going to some degree, you're gonna have to convey because that's what. Mm. Right? But the more you do that, the more people are actually now putting whole loads of expectations right. on something that they, they can't be met. They're attached to this projection more, right? And it can't be met. One, right? Right. Um, so it'll it'll fail for them. And then two, if you buy into it, even though you're trying to be sardonic, then you're caught up in no longer having healthy boundaries to actually figure out what was the best thing to do next. Wild, right? So I get it's a it, it's a game, but that's a game. That's where another come. That's a classic. Another thing when you read high, high literature, literature, right? it's always like, how does that person of great stature, right, always, your mind like, stay, you know,
0: try to stay... Stay humble, right? stay grounded. Right? We, which is interesting, this is a spoiler. So, if you haven't heard Dune skip ahead. If you haven't read June yet, skip ahead and <laughs> compliment it. But, this this specific thing kind of happens where later on, like, he take he sort of becomes leader of the tribe. And everyone's like, everyone's wondering when he's going to challenge Stilgar for like for leadership because like there's a way we do things here and what you right. do is you challenge the current leader to a fight to the right. death and right. when you win then you're the leader right. Right. he doesn't want to do that right and so what he does is he like he brings Stilgar up on, on the podium in front of the people and he gives like a speech about how like you know a lot of people are saying to challenge him like why would I cut off my own right hand and he, and he, and he sells it well enough they're like yeah good one so that's him he has he understands what they're projecting he understands what they want from him that he manages to root around it. Right. He manages to do... Right, right.
1: So, right. Look, that's a problem with leadership. I what I'm I guess what I'm raising, really, because I'm really being hesitant about this, and that's also me partially. I, everything I've basically been doing over the years is been facilitating things happening as opposed to trying to lead. Mm. If you kind of think about everything I do, right. most people have no idea what I do. I just <laughs> do it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um, so it could be on own personality, okay? But I think even a leader, and like this a leader, I think should minimize the way I said it. Like in a sense, be trying to worry less about the reflection and kind of, even though it's halacha, a Melech has to always look impeccable every day. You know, Haircut. trim their hair every day, yeah. <laughs> okay? And so forth. I get it, okay? So that's true. I'm not denying that that's true, but minimize it. But I'm going to say something more important. Most of us aren't kings. Like, let's not worry about how well are we reflecting some vision in ourselves to lead Like, we're just the human being. Like, let's not. Mm. <laughs> you
2: know
1: what I'm saying? Like, we're not there. That's what right. Right. That's why I said Campbell to you. Like, you're saying, yeah, but if you end up there. Yeah, but you're thinking Campbell. I'm also moving being. I think Campbell. Right. I got it. Okay. But, like, who are you kidding?
2: Hmm. Okay.
1: You know, the thing, I don't care, if famous or not, uh, true or not. Okay, not true exactly. But Johnny Appleseed, in a sense, is the myth of you're nobody, an and then you create all these apple trees all everywhere, right? Right. Okay. Like there's that type of myth. Right. There's nothing particularly special about him. Right. And there's nothing where everybody's Like he's just the guy going around, you know, you know, sowing apple trees. Okay.
0: <laughs> right. Right. That's interesting. If you were to tell a story about him in a captivating way. When he was a young man, the fairy of apple, uh, the apple said, Go forth, Johnny, plant seed. And he refused the call. Mm-hmm. That's step
2: okay,
1: two. All the little trappers didn't want fruit trees around, but he started the fruit trees and created <laughs> the forest, which then creates the ability to farm, because now they're they have apple trees, so they can't... No, that doesn't work. It's trap. Whatever will would be. It would be okay? The factories. He brought down the factories. With the, apple, okay? the point being, that wouldn't be the same story. Right. right.
0: As he simply went around plants apple trees like mm. I mean th- this is a this is a sort of uh, wait, which is because it takes it back to love. Mm-hmm. and like are you
1: trying to be heroic or are you trying to just do good things in life you trying to you know be heroic you're like oh I'm going to overcome whatever it is right the, the challenges right. or the norms there's a better way to live the world there's a better way to overcome okay or am I or am am I like, I'm trying to learn norms. Like, I'm trying to learn from the past, the wisdom of the past, the practical wisdom of the past, like, mm-hmm. all these guidelines, norms, with the exceptions, and, you know, all those things. And that's where you, learn, you can learn a is amazing. And I don't get why the Jewish tradition is different than all others in this way, but it has a collection of debates about every little thing, <laughs> all these different norms, and the debates about them, mm. right, over time. And with the, And, like, some of us study all of that. That's crazy. Okay? Like, <laughs> Like, I always say humans are the same, every right? kind of, right? Same, same, but different, as we were saying today, right? <laughs> like, so why did you... I don't know, okay? But, it's a, but think about the amazing benefit of that. Mm. You're carrying all that, assuming you learning technically, you're learning wisdom, right? You're carrying all that in your head. But that's a certain humility of... You're not meant to be heroic. You're meant to be and do and respond. Which is kind of back to the banjo on the porch. Like you're meant to, like, have all that thing, and then, oh, wait, what, we, what about this? We can do that, we can do that, like... Yeah. right So maybe the van on the porch isn't good because you're sitting there not doing anything saying, okay fine but well, no, people are coming to you. Okay, but maybe it should be more you added to you know sow the seeds. But
0: the, um, what is it the children the children of the prophets the disciples of the prophets were never without uh, harp and lyre.
1: That's true All right no, yeah, no, no,
0: that's true That's true that's part of it
1: that is that is. Right. But we you wanted want to, to ask me something and I interrupted you we to, about to
0: Oh, I want to ask you so many more things, but I, I think we are uh, running pretty short on time.
1: Okay, so something.
0: W- well, I, you know, I, I'm thinking uh, in, terms of, in terms of bookending it nicely, we started with the banjo, we ended with the banjo, that's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm looking for the elegant dismount. There yeah, you go, okay. <laughs> is, 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 well, what, what do you think is, you know, we've got maybe five minutes here left. What, what do you think is, was not quite wrapped up here? What would you like to revisit and do one more time?
1: What would I like to revisit? Well, there's
0: two separate things,
1: okay? One is not what we would revisit in this type of setting, which is these series of articles and podcasts I do on just, like, how to actually approach shipping halakhic topics and, you know, like, actually doing topics, Mm -hmm. right? But that's a different type of, like, discussion. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What well, we need to re- revisit here, I think, we, I think you need to tell me, because I'm in my head, and right. to me, it all fits together, it all makes sense.
0: That's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty good with it, but it, I think it is it's largely like that to me as well. I think one of the things that for me was um, tricky trying to pick up your method is is like obviously. If everything's simple, everything's simple. But once you have, um, once you start putting together artificial com- concepts and constructs, and then all your new artificial constructs have to have to fit with all your previous artificial constructs, then you um, then you run into trouble real quick.
2: Right.
0: Um, and I guess once you've had, once you've had that process of just look, relax about the artificial construct. Tell me about the person. Tell me about the situation. Right. What does this guy want? What does that guy? Okay. Can we do right by both of them? Is this guy going to go home and grumble? Yes. But he's going to be like, accept at least what happened. Fine. Great. That's the best we can do here. Let's Maybe. go home. The gap between those two things, like the path from one to the other, involves like a lot of unlearning. And I feel like... Uh, I, you know, I came to your class a few years ago. And I didn't really get all that unlearning done. And like now I've come to your classes a few more times and now it's like, oh, I get a bit more. And so... I'm saying, like, I sort of have the same problem in in symmetry, where um, what you said today makes sense to me, but it only makes sense because I've spent enough time (laughs) unlearning. But what about this?
1: Yeah, so, look, so, yeah. So I don't know if that would be a topic of a podcast, but basically one of the basic things to this approach is one has to be able to live comfortably with fear. Because since we're built to survive, we're built, in a sense, to have egos. And if I'm built to have egos, I have to be powerful. So I'm a more powerful lion, whatever it is, right? and so on and so forth. But one of the ways of powers is the mind. Because okay? the mind can actually help you like, figure out how to hunt that mammoth better, okay? <laughs> even though you're weaker than the man, right? But you can lead the whole tribe into you know, getting trapping mammoth and killing it and so forth. So the mind is a, is a source of power, but the need to use power comes from, in a sense, the biological drive of fear, because I'm meant to not fail. Like I'm meant to be physically fit, survive, physically fit, mate more, whatever, you know, the biological things, right? Like okay, the creature that's better, you know, manages to do all that. So then if what my energy is focused on is ideas, texts, laws, like. Liberal arts, law, right? Yeah. No, it's where it is, right? It's, then it's not about like, making a better mouse shack, right? Or making a better bridge or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So I will end up creating concepts because I need to be powerful over the material. Because that is my... It's, I'm biologically geared to use my brain for power. That's my theory. Let's do it this way. I'm biologically geared to eat sugar, like fruits. Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, I live in a world where there's lots of white sugar, and right? I can pick out on the white sugar, right? Mm-hmm. Not because I'm an idiot, but because I'm biologically built to be drawn to sugars, because I need them, to, mm-hmm. in a sense. When I go with fruits, at least I need them, right? So, same thing here. I'm built to use my mind. We're built as mammals to use our minds. And then I start using it with anything I look at, right? Mm-hmm. So then I end up using constructs, because constructs are actually easy ways of Organizing material and controlling it and mastering it and being able, to, like in a sense, it's, right, like it's just shorthand. Instead of just having shorthand reminders, it right, allows me to build further. Like it yeah, constantly be shorthand reminders as long as you don't take them seriously. That's shorthand reminders. Okay, but if you build from it, you're now being powerful with your mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, So why do I need to be powerful with my mind? Because I need to survive, to compete, mm-hmm. to see, which all comes from fear. Which I, is biologically built in, I get it. But to the degree that you know we overcome our fear, then we don't need to do any of this. It's like, okay, we're gonna die. Now, can we talk about whatever's happening right now? <laughs> so yeah. So why did we get to that? Because yeah, that's what else, right? So I think one of the big I mean, nodes we have that topic is how, I mean I know, but how does one ground oneself to limit that fear? You know, call it God, call it Godness, call it, I don't want to, I'm not, because I don't care about that, right? But what is what, what, you know, what allows one to ground oneself? And that's back to your question of like, wow, you have to unlearn everything. You don't have to unlearn everything, you just have to stop being afraid. And, and then you can, and then you're open to hearing.
0: That easy. <laughs> Maybe easy to describe. <laughs> <laughs> With thanks to Perrin Walker and Daniel Kenny.